Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What today, tomorrow and Thursday. Matt, at the moment, he's on some secret men's business for SEN. In fact, I believe he's busy writing a 10,000-word think piece on the Manly Sea Eagles for season 2023. Of course, Matty back on deck next week and nothing changes in his absence. Great to have you along this morning, SEN 11.70am in Sydney. Our Queensland station's joining us in the next hour of the program. Now, the open line number to have you all say, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, and the text line, oh four five seven. 736-736. Stacks to discuss, as always. Uh, joining me on the show today, Jaleesa Rapps from the 10 Network, Laurie Horish from ESPN to review that belter of a Super Bowl, uh, Simon Hill from the Global Game, and Brett Phillips from the First Serve. So, uh, usual suspects. Weather in Sydney today, top to 25, uh, cloudy, high 80% chance of showers becoming less likely late this afternoon and evening, but there is a chance of a thunderstorm during the morning and the afternoon. Look, I have a confession to make on the program today, off the top, I, I'd completely forgotten it was Valentine's Day. It's commercial nonsense. I only realised driving in, hearing Vossie and Brandy talking about it. So a belated happy Valentine's Day to my wife. She was asleep when I left anyway. And to all our lovely listeners, I hope you have a lovely day and you know you get spoilt and you have a nice dinner or whatever your plans are tonight. Maybe you've got big plans. Maybe you're like me and you probably just sit on the couch and do uh, not much. As for those in the world of sport, for whom it's a big day. I'm thinking Valentine Holmes, former Wallabies scrum half Josh Valentine, former West Indies cricketer Alfie Valentine, Queensland Australian batter Martin Love, goalkeeper Joe Hart, and of course, England's best batter of the modern era, Joe Root. You know, in rugby league, we spend the good part of Mondays debating certain referee calls from the weekend. We so often hear the saying, you know, imagine if a grand final was decided on that call. And we're talking about this in the Super Bowl yesterday, a, a line ball decision for holding with about just under two minutes remaining in the game. It was a tough call on the Philadelphia Eagles ground, but the suggestion that a game comes down to one play is nonsense. And well done to Kansas City. This is a team that if they're down by 10, 20, it's like it doesn't phase them. They just find a way. Mahomes is a genius. He's won now, Patrick Mahomes, two Super Bowl rings, two Super Bowl MVPs in five years. Did you hear Travis Kelsey afterwards? No one gave us a chance. Well, hang on, you're top seeds. You've got the best quarterback going around, already an all-time great. You've got a Hall of Fame coach. And Travis, I don't know if you've seen footage yourself play, but you're pretty good. Uh, I think a lot of people gave you a chance. A lot of people gave you a chance. But Patrick Mahomes on the path to greatness, if he's not there already. Jalen Hurts, that was an MVP performance in a losing side. Really, the only blot in his copybook was that that fumble that led to a touchdown. So you talk about big moments of the game. Was it the holding call? You could argue that that changed the game. And I must say to my untrained eye, and there are a lot of people that know this game more intimately than I do, the Eagles looked the superior side for much of the game. They had the better of attacking possession. But in that second half, they just started to poop the bed, so to speak. And so, again, we have Australians that have played the big game, but unfortunately ended up on the losing side. Uh, Jordan Malata and, of course, uh, the punter there for the Philly side in Sipos. Uh, 
it wasn't the best kick, was it? 37-yarder. And then Tony just belted 65-yard down the field. I feel sorry for the young man. Uh, Webby, did you read his column today? According to the NFL's ongoing study of 12 to 64-year-olds, 12 to 64-year-olds, there are 6.1 million NFL fans in Australia, of which 1.2 million are considered avid fans. About 53% of those aged under 34 with those in the under-25s bracket being the largest area of growth. They talk about the NFL Game Pass and how subscriptions have increased exponentially over the past four years or so. And as for the Super Bowl, well, total viewership last year in Australia was about 1.9 million, which was more than double the previous year. What about this in the States? More than 112.3 million watched last year's match, 22 million viewers in other countries. It is big stuff. It is big, big stuff. And so we always get a few naysayers on the text line, oh, NFL, who cares? A lot of people care and more and more people are caring, judging by those numbers. 0457 736 736. What did you make of the NRL trials? I know it's Tuesday, but of course, yeah, the Super Bowl, we didn't get to really discuss this yesterday. First time they were televised, of course. I'm not sure from what I saw, I didn't catch a lot of it, a lot of the action. I'm not sure any teams were thinking about the bonus points. You better get another offload here. The thing about trials, look, they are a necessary evil. You can't mitigate against injuries, which sucks for the Storm, sucks for the Raiders. And the Green Machine confirms Xavier Savage is going to undergo surgery on a broken jaw. So it's a blow for the young fullback. Savage is expected to be ruled out for up to two months. It was a nasty face collision in this match against the Bulldogs. Uh, so he is earmarked at this stage a return in round seven. As for Melbourne Storm... Their blockbusting centre, Justin Olam, also facing a bit of time on the sidelines after suffering a forearm fracture. And this was in the opening minutes of Melbourne's clash against the Roosters in Geelong. Isn't it weird to see rugby league at Cardinia Park? Doesn't look right to me. So Justin Olam will miss at least six weeks, according to the club. He's booked in for surgery this week. Uh, Reese Walsh, the Broncos' fullback, uh, left the field clutching at his face after a head collision. This was in their game against the Titans. Uh, seemed to be okay post-match, so he should be all sweet for round one. Look, it sucks. It sucks, but look, they all need to run at some stage. Probably better now that they get hurt than at the back end of the season. Have you been entertained by the Kalen Ponga explanation? I know Volsey and Brandy had a bit of fun with this on breakfast this morning. Insist, though, Kalen, the Newcastle captain, he was sick that night out. He was sick, feeling the effects of alcohol and food when he was captured leaving a toilet cubicle with teammate Kurt Mann last year. So he spoke to the media yesterday for the first time about the, about the incident because people are saying, well, he's the captain of the club. How come Callum Pong is not speaking? And finally, they put him up. He was okay. There was an investigation. There's a lot of speculation about his commitment to the club, you know, concussion protocols. Why was he out on the drink? And he shouldn't have been. And people are saying, well, hang on, a couple of footy plays disappearing into a toilet cubicle. And they were putting two and two together. And you know what answer they were coming up with. And he went on to say, you know, Ponger insisted that the incident had been an eye-opener about the impact of concussion. Only played 14 games for the Knights last year after a series of head knocks brought his season to, a, to an end, a premature round. But he said he was sick. And then he was pressed, well, why did Kurt Mann accompany you to the toilet, Caleb? He said, oh, I was there to help. Food that I had earlier. Can't go back and change anything. So he was sick, bit of alcohol, bit of food. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I'm not sure. I, I reckon if we ran a Twitter poll, do you believe that Caleb Ponga was sick? What do you reckon the results would be? Are going to be 80-20? Don't believe. Well, as, as the great George Costanza once said in Seinfeld. Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs>
Look, it's a make or break year for the Knights and particularly for coach Adam O'Brien, the captain, of course, playing at six this year. We've got Lockie Miller at fullback. Jackson Hastings is another off-season recruit. They've lost Dave Clemmer. Kurt Mann has to be lock. Kurt Mann has to be lock. And I'll tell you what, do you remember in the Broncos days, Tony Carroll, Tunza was playing 13. Of course, defended next to Darren Lockie and the line is playing 5-8. And they, they anointed Tony Carroll, Darren Lockie's bodyguard. Bodyguard. We're going to anoint Kurt Mann, his wingman. And he's been channeling, he's in a top gun. And this is Kurt Mann's mentality. This is Kurt Mann's mentality. Maverick, got a mid coming around on our tail. We got to get out of here. I can't leave ice. Still coming around, he's still coming around. He's going to get behind us. I'm not leaving my wingman. I'm not leaving my wingman. You're a beautiful man, Kurt Mann. Played for my Mighty Dragons, of course. So for that reason alone, he doesn't leave his wingman. If if Pong is playing 5-8, Kurt Mann plays lock and is his wingman forevermore. So logically... He's going to be Kayla's protector. 0457 736 736. In fact, why don't we discuss that on the program today? Forget about Valentine's Day. Who in the world of sport would be your wingman on a night out? Could be man, woman. Who would be your wingman on a night out? In fact, doesn't even have to be sport. And by that, somebody that's going to be there for you, right? So if you're feeling a bit crook or somebody that'd see the night through, that wouldn't just disappear. Because I've got mates who go out and go, where'd, where'd Mark go? You ring him, text him next morning. Yeah, I was tired, I just left. Didn't tell you, just left you on your lonesome. So who'd be a great wingman in sport? 0457 736 736. And the open line, 1300 1170. On a night out, would stick solid to the end. Now, the third test of the Border Gavaska series, that's been moved to indoors, I-N-D-O-R-E, indoors, Holkar Stadium, with a venue at uh, Dharamsala deemed unfit now to host the occasion. This is a problem for the Australians. So there's an issue with the surface there, a lot of bare patches. It was relayed last year. They had a new drainage system installed. But they've had dreadful weather conditions, a lot of foggy conditions in the town. And it's at high altitude, 1,451 metres above sea level. So they hadn't had a lot of sunlight for the grass to grow. So the Himachal Pradesh Cricket Association Stadium has been stripped of the match due to the poor conditions of the outfield. As we said, several bare patches been laid. And the BCCI released a statement saying, owing to, harsh win- owing to harsh winter conditions in the region, the outfield lacks sufficient grass density and will need some time to develop fully. It's a blow for the Australians because that venue is particularly suited to fast bowling. And we think Star could be ready for the second test, but we don't 100% know. We don't even know if Cam Green's going to be fit to bowl. So the fourth test of that 2017 series, that was held in Dharamsala, Pace proved to have a greater influence. I mean, Umesh Yadav, who bowled for the Indians that day, he was brilliant with a new ball in the second dig. And Steve Smith wrote in his autobiography, The Journey, he said it was the best of the lot because it gave some pace advance. So now Australia's strength being their quicks, well, that's been neutered by the fact that they're now relocating this test match. India, of course, can retain the Border Gavaskar Trophy before teams even play the third test because they thumped us in Nagpur by an innings. Have you... Had your post-mortem of that test match? Talk about embracing the chaos. Look, you've got to feel for the fans who booked their ticket for Dharam Salah. It's pretty short notice to move a test match. I mean, this was scheduled in, what, December? And they're giving every opportunity to play there, but it's it's disappointing. And look, it, it's just on that first test in Nagpur. It is reasonable, entirely reasonable, to be cri- critical of the Australian performance, the Australian preparation, and the Australian selection for the first test. Funny thing is that nothing sort of gets the passions going more, or the outrage going more than the performance of the cricket team. At any national team in Australia, that's the one that gets 
four people talking and outrage because it's sort of our team. And the biggest demons at play didn't reside in the pitch, but rather between the ears. The host managed 400 in the first innings. Ravi Jadeja, Akshar Patel, they were two left-handers. Not first-choice batsmen, but can bat. They looked right at home. It looked like a road when they were batting. But then cast your mind back to, to Marnus, to Smith, to Carey. All showed in the first innings that there were runs to be had. But then 177, never going to be enough, and it was always going to be an uphill battle from there, right? Always going to be an uphill battle. And it shifts the mindset of the bowlers. Because then when the Australians come out to bowl, they've got to think containment as well as wickets. And alternatively, India were able to bat with freedom. And then when you're batting to get to 200 just to erase a deficit, well, you think about things differently as a batter. Most certainly you think about things differently as a bowler. Yeah, Ashwin and Jadeja are such intelligent cricketers, particularly in their conditions. I mean, there's a reason Ashwin's the second fastest to 400 test, 450 test wickets behind Murley. As for the Australians are batting, caught in the crease far too much. It's not the pace or the place, rather, you want to second-guess your technique. Oarsman in that second, that was an awful shot. Planted the front foot, wild swing outside off. He's got to be better than that. I'm a fan of Matt Renshaw. As you know, I'm a big fan of Matt Renshaw. He was highly disappointing. As for Warner, his talk now, you know, what do you do with David Warner? Is his time up? Warner's a funny one. You know, I've been a fierce defender of David Warner for most of his career. And I'm just talking about his batting out in the middle. And there's always a sense that, you know, the, the cavalier way in which he bats, you, you felt that even if he had a run alone scores, he was only one innings away been returned to form. I don't know if I still think that with him. Having said that, you know, the cupboard's a bit bare at the moment. I'll give I'll give him one more crack. I'll give David Warner one more crack because the whole team failed. But they got a problem, the Australians. Because Andrew McDonald and Pat Cummins effectively said that they believed in their selections, that they made the right calls. They're happy with the preparation. So I'll throw this one at you, listeners. If Green and Stark come up short, what does Australia do? Do they pick the same team? You almost sense by what the coach said is that they probably would because they believe that they made the right calls in the first place. If Green doesn't play, if Stark is still injured, what does Australia do? Because if they then pick Travis Head, they put their hand up and say, you know what, we got it wrong after saying they didn't get it wrong. So they kind of painted themselves in a corner here and they may have to wear the egg on their face. But look, the Aussies, they're confident in their plans that the batters... Batsmen individually need to back themselves. And they keep talking about sticking to the plan, sticking to the plan. Steve Smith said, you know, in 2017, the plan worked. 2004, when Gilchrist led them to victory, they said the plan worked. They stick to their plans. You keep hearing this term and over and over again. And that doesn't just apply to a team. It applies to the individual. So if Alex Carey believes his reverse sweep has been working, if believes that his go-to stroke to get off strike, then stick with it, Alex despite the fact you got out to it twice. There's no point rebuilding now. Oh, by the way, a touring team hasn't won in Delhi since 1987. <laughs> Second test starts Friday. Uh, Jared will be back on deck for that call, so there you have it. And, and as for Alan Border's comments, look, I worship Alan Border for what he's done for Australian cricket. I have the utmost admiration for the man. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, this, this hard edge that we keep hearing about, this inner bastard is the right way to go for 2023. Different times. I get that. You know, they're all mates now. They all play together in domestic leagues. and All the smiling and laughing 
Do I love it? It doesn't particularly bother me. I'd probably want to see a bit less of it, particularly when you've just been thumped. But this was a side criticising the lead-up to Cape Town in the aftermath for being too hard-edged. And now they're criticised for not being hard-edged enough. So they can't win, the Australians. They can't win. It was a shocking match. Uh, bin it and move on and back yourself. If you believe in your plans, well, then follow those plans through the end. If it doesn't work, then you have a, you know, a post-series review. Oh, and just one more thing on this. As for those who suggest that, oh, this wouldn't have happened under Langer, please. Have you forgotten a Langer coach team lost to India at home, including the deciding test at Fortress Gabba? There's a lot of hysteria about this, and I saw this in the aftermath. Oh, they're too soft. It was Langer. They wouldn't have lost the test in that manner. We don't know. It's purely speculative. Langer could have drummed anything into them, but I have a feeling by the end of his tenure they weren't listening to him anyway. 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. Who would be a wingman? You know what? Alan Border would be a great wingman. And I love Alan Border. And I'll tell you why he'd be a wonderful wingman. You think about that Ashes Test 82 MCG. He said to Tomo, he said, mate, just cheer. I'll stick with you. I'll back you. Steve Wall was like that. Great batting with the tail. They'll stick with you through to the end and they'll trust you. Bat with the tail, trust the tail. Remember that? Border and Tomo. Set 292. They were nine for 218. They got within five. They knocked off half the 74 runs at the end of day four. And all of a sudden they go, we might have a chance here. Double snatch, both of them in the end, gets a wicket done. So he'd be my wingman, Alan Border. And the reason I say he'd be my wingman is because I know he'd stick with me to the very end. And we're talking about that on the program today because Kurt Mann has proved to be a wonderful wingman for the Newcastle captain, Kalen Ponga. A couple of prizes, great prizes to give away in the program today. The double pass to see the Sydney Kings and Kent's Taipans tomorrow night, Kudos Bank Arena. That's going to be a belter. Uh, see the Sydney Kings take on Kent's Taipans in their home semi-final tomorrow. Get tickets now at Ticket Take. Are we, are we Ticket Tech? We got another Signet Boost? We do. We got a whole, we got a couple of boxes of these. The time-honoured prize, not just on the morning show, but every program, and also up for grabs today. Best caller or text up the Signet Boost Power Bank, uh, valued at sixty bucks. Keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered twenty-four-seven. We're clearing the decks in the first half hour of the program. Julian King of the chair for Maddie White taking your nominations today. Who would be your wingman? Who in sport would be your wingman? Stick with you through a night out. What changes you're making to the Australian cricket team and your thoughts in the NRL trials as well. one 1170 and the text line 0457 736 736. Uh, vigorous debates during the ad break. Julian King and the chair for Matty White. So 2am Tommy's walked in and uh, Marcos Bagdadis on the panel as always. And Matt White said last week, if the Kansas City Chiefs win, guaranteed the Gatorade colour that they tip on Andy Reid would be red. As it turns out, it was purple. I think purple was paying long odds to about $13 or something. And on top of that, I remember filling in for Vossi and Brandy last week when I was with Jaleesa and they had some novelty markets for Rihanna to wear red, 10 bucks. So black was paying like about a dollar twenty, white about five, and I thought, oh, that's good value. And next thing you know, she's on the stage red, and I thought, I wonder if Jaleesa cashed in. So I'll catch up with Jaleesa Rats from the 10 Network shortly on the program, and I'll ask her that very question. And if she did catch in, cash in, will her shout? Oh, I must confess, the Super Bowl halftime, it's, yeah, whatever. It didn't do it for me, Rihanna. She's perfectly pleasant, but I just found it a bit boring. One person on the stage with a bunch of dancers. You need a, like a big kicking band behind it to get the crowd more involved. But that's me. Maybe I'm showing my age here. Jason made a really good point on the text line, 0457 736 736. Says, Jules, uh, just remember, first test, Australia 
were five for 162. India at one stage in their first innings, five for 168. So pretty similar. And then, of course, their tail wagged and they've got a lot of depth. Australia's tail's a big problem at the moment. So thank you for that. Looking for your best wingman. Of course, Kurt Mann proved to be a great wingman for Kalen Ponga. Who's your best wingman or wingwoman on a night out? And, of course, the criteria is they've got to stick with you. They've got to stick by your side for the whole night out. 0457 736 736. Uh, definitely have – oh, it was a few here. Wingman. Murph Hughes would be my wingman, says Carmelo. He'd go well or Swerve and Mervin. Regarding the ultimate wingman, I couldn't go past F1 driver Sergio Perez, says Steve, on the Central Coast. Showed he would stick with anyone in their time of need. Held up Lewis Hamilton lap after lap so his teammate Verstappen could make up time and go on to win the 2021 F1 title. Ultimate sacrifice on selfish display to help a mate go on to glory. Excellent suggestion, Steve. Clubhouse leader at the moment for a Signet Boost power bank. And if you can get to Sydney... You know, maybe a double pass to the Sydney Kings and Cairns Taipans. 0457 736 736. Uh, Max from the Gong says, uh, Jules, Agar and Head have to play. Agar gives us a left arm spin option. Both players strengthen our batting lineups. The problem there, I get your point about Agar and batting. Well, I'm not sure how effective he's going to be batting on those wickets. I get a sense he's slipped down the order now. So we know Matty Kuhneman's been called into the squad because Mitchell Swepson's gone home for the birth of his first child. If they're picking a left-arm tweaker, I mean, I don't know. I get a sense that they'll pick Kuhneman ahead of Agar. And from what I'm hearing, Agar hasn't quite in the net sort of shown what he needs to show. I guess we'll wait and see. And, yes, his batting's an issue, but it's a bit of a problem if you're picking Agar just because of his batting. Because you want a left-arm orthodox option. Well, then pick the best left-arm orthodox spinner that you have. Pearl, good morning to you. Morning, Jules. Did you say the left-handed Indian batsman looked right at home? Ha, 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 ha. In India? Very good. Who'd have thought? I thought our young Dragons held their own against a full-strength Super League champ, Penrith, by 50 this week. I'm glad you made that point. People say, oh, it's going to be a tough year for the Dragons, a few defensive lapses. Half of them were kids. Against a, as you said, full-strength St. Helens side, who were the Super League champions. It's a bit weird. They played Lomax on the left and Suli on the right, and they're saying how they licked so many points down that left channel. I don't know if you necessarily, as they say, weaken a strength to strengthen a weakness. Lomax is, uh, I know we can play him both sides, and he played a bit on the left at the back in the last year, but he is predominantly a right-sided centre, Zach Lomax. But, but look, he said, Coach Griffin, after the game, they're only going to play half a game. We just thought we'd have a look at it. And that's what these trials are about, experimentation. Trey Stewart. Of course, he was part of that Gun SG ball team, the one that you said last week, Pearl, to keep an eye on. Uh, looked great in attack, fumbled a couple of high balls. But he's got talent, no doubt. 0457 736 736. Breaking back with more. Look, she's my sounding board here at the network. I speak of Jaleesa Apps from Channel 10. And on this Valentine's Day, we're just going to call her Dating Apps because I'm sure that's a gag she's never heard before. She's on the line right now to, to, to talk all things sport. Morning, J.A. Good morning. Did you do anything nice for your wife? I hope you did. Can I be honest? I, I mentioned this. I totally forgot it's Valentine's Day until I was driving into the studio this morning and heard Vossie and Brandy bang on about it. And I thought, oh, hang on. Well, I better come home with something in my hand or I'm going to slap oh, across the face. They're all romantics, aren't they? Yeah. When you've been married for 10 years, you kind of, you know, these things slit, tend to slide down the pecking order in terms of importance. Right. Well, she's a lucky girl. <laughs> oh, she is. Can you tell her that? Because sometimes I think she questions whether she's a lucky girl. Hey, you're out at Kalen Pong yesterday. Uh, the press conference been all the talk this morning. A lot of people don't buy the excuse that he was sick. He'd had some 
dodgy food. And then Kurt was just being a good mate. They they joined each other in the toilet cubicle, locked the door behind them. Nothing to see here. People move on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we have to take. We just have to take their word for it, don't we? Because we don't we don't know anything more. Like it's just um, that's what he said when he was questioned. Well, why were you sick? It was the food. He did say that he was um, remorseful that it was a mistake, and I said to him, well, what was the mistake if you were sick? And he said, well, the mistake was being out and drinking when his teammates were getting flogged by the Broncos. And, um, yeah, he's, I mean, it's been a long time, but he couldn't avoid these questions. It's been six months of kind of dodging them and uh, not fronting the media. And, um, I mean, he handled it pretty well, I have to say. Like, he, he wasn't flustered. He was very cool and calm about it, but... Whether you believe it or not, that's, that's up to you. Well, he was out celebrating the purchase of a new house, according to his dad and manager, Andre. Should have asked him, uh, you know, whether he's decorated yet, how the new curtains are looking. <laughs> oh, hard-hitting questions, Jules. You should be on the road. <laughs> yeah, I'm far more comfortable wearing thongs to a studio, I have to say. Look, it's a make-or-break year for Newcastle. You know, Kalen's a captain out of responsibility. Their marquee player shifted to 5'8". They want him to get his hands on the ball a bit more. Of course, Lockie Miller there at, at fullback. Um, did you get a sense that they're on track for an improved season this year, Newcastle? Uh, they certainly looked very good. I mean, um, Joey Johns is up there and uh, training them, and it's always nice to see him um, in the night's colours. Jackson Hastings looks very energetic, as he always does. At, um, well, he always did last year at Tigers training, and Kalen certainly spoke very highly about uh, him. I think um, he will actually be really good for Kalen because it seems like Kalen switched to the halves with Jackson being such a controlling and such a vocal ball, uh, you know, like a director sort of in the halves that it, he'll he'll be able to sort of play a little bit more freely. Kalen get his hands on the ball a bit more, um, which I think it's a great great move up there. So um, I think it's going to be a better year for the Knights. Whether they make the top eight, maybe they'll just miss out. I no think. chance. But I think they're. You don't think they're going to make? You don't think there's any chance? No, no chance. They will not. They they will not make the top eight, Newcastle. I'll put it out there early. I don't think they'll off there. I'll put it out there early. Hey, one team that a lot of people are very bullish about making the top eight: the Bulldogs. Everyone's talking about the blue and white. It's only a trial. I know they knocked off your Raiders, and, and uh, terrible news for you, Canberra fans. Read Xavier Savage. I mean, this is unfortunately what happens with trials. Are you doing a piece on the Fox, Josh Adokar? Yeah, so I spoke to um, Josh at a car, and um, that'll be running tonight. Just it was a very, it was a much more mature Josh at a car. I was a little taken back when I was interviewing you. Usually, you're just laughing and giggling the whole time, but it was a very serious um, Josh at a car, and you you get definitely the sense that he wants to have a real impact with the Bulldogs this year. And he spoke about how I won't give the whole story away, but he spoke about the difficulty of. Um, not playing the All-Stars and how painful that decision was. But ultimately, um, you know, he just wasn't in the, the right space to be, you know, it is a very demand, it's very demanding to come back from a World Cup and then you're preparing for, you know, a club that you've got a sort of a lot on your shoulders to pull out of where they've been the last few years and then to add another representative game on top of that. It is quite a lot, but um, it was a hard decision for him. It'll be... Um, 
interesting to see how he goes this year. I think he's gonna. I think it's gonna be a much more serious Josh Addo car for the year. Well, he should be playing for New South Wales again in 2023. Now, the women's IPL. This is the tournament, and I know we both love our cricket. That should have happened a few years back, but finally, it is up and running, and it's been a decent payday for one Australian in particular. Yeah, Ash Gardner. She was always going. She was always tipped to be the one that was going to go for the most money, and she's gone for about five hundred and fifty um, Australian dollars, which is huge thousand. for five. Sorry, five hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, um, and which is huge for um, you know what is a, a few weeks' work. It's huge for any um, job, but just so good to finally see these Aussies get. Huge rewards. Yeah, Beth Mooney that was three hundred and fifty thousand. Elise Perry just under three hundred thousand. Talia McGrath. I mean, she's so young and she's just made two hundred and fifty thousand. And Meg Lanning, uh, she was the cheapie at just under two hundred thousand. Mm. So really great to see those women. I, I the only downside is that um, I worry about the WBBL in future. I was seeing all these huge amounts of money going for the inaugural auction and it was fantastic but I'm thinking, oh, what does this mean for the WBBL when you start juggling tournaments in five years because yeah. it isn't going to be just the only T20 comp that pops up. Yeah, it's it's the overlap that's a problem because at the moment it's a premier women's domestic comp on the planet the WBBL because it attracts all the best players including the best players mm. from India. Whereas you can't say the same for the men's, where basically the Indian players don't play anything other than the IPL. Uh, hopefully we don't get that overlap, but uh, a good payday for Ash Gardner, as you mentioned, and they, they value all-rounders, and her bowling's improved out of sight. She got that 5 for 12 and player of the match at the World Cup the other day. And, yeah, Talia McGrath, T-Mac, a, a rising star of Australian cricket. Oh, by the way, I almost forgot to mention this. Remember we are doing breakfast last week? And one of the betting markets suggested if you think Rihanna's going to wear red at the halftime show, you can get a juicy $10. You said, I don't mind that. $10. Did you get on it? Sure did. Good girl. Into 10 bucks. Yeah. Good girl. I've done well. Yo. Your shout. What did you think of the show? It was a bit meh for the moment. I haven't performed pregnant, so I guess that's an excuse. But I didn't think it was the best halftime show I'd ever seen. Um, last year was 50 Cent, so he's like my ultimate. So I love him. Um, he was a side guest to Eminem. But Beyonce will always be the benchmark for me. Okay. So you haven't performed pregnant. Listen, there's still plenty of time. And $10 for the red dress is worth a lot more than... 50 cents. Before we let you go, we're talking about, because Kurt Mann, obviously a great wingman for Kaylin Ponga. If you had a night out, who in sport do you think would be a great wingman or wing woman for you, Jaleesa Apps? Um, in sport? Um, well, I would have thought the late, great Shane Warne would have been a pretty good time. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have been dull, Shane Warne. I reckon Sock, too. Our mate Sock. He's a, he's, he'd be good, though. Sock would be great for you. Yeah, might get you into trouble. Uh, he's he's a change of his. What are we looking man. for though? Just just as a good, just as a fun time. Someone that 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 would be there for you if you got in a spot of bother as well. Someone that would be there for me. Oh, I don't know. Someone that would. Uh, you know what, Jack Whiten. There you go. I've chosen it for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's there for, for his mate, isn't he? Yep. There you go. And a Raiders man too. On that note, we'll let you go. Looking forward to your Josh Addo car story. We'll catch that on 10 News tonight. Thanks, Delisa. Thanks, Jules. There she is. Delisa Raps from the 10 Network.
Uh, Julian King in the chair for Matty White today, tomorrow and Thursday. A couple of great prizes to give away on the show today. A double pass to the Kings Taipans tomorrow night. Kudos Bank Arena. They are the team to beat the Sydney Kings. See them take on Cairns in their home semi-final. You can get your tickets now uh, via Ticketek. We've got a double pass to give away, as well as the Signet Boost Power Bank up, because we know what a great wingman Kurt Mann is to Kalen Ponga. That is our talk topic today. Who would be a great wingman? On a night out. Lordy, my wingman would be Albert Craig Young. He'd look after me. <laughs> he was a copper too, Craig Young. You could do worse. Not bad, Lordy. This one here, Bexley Dragon. Jules, the way I see it, there's no player in the test team that would be my wingman, except Travis Head and the do-good has dropped him. It says it all. I was stunned by that omission, Bexley Dragon. Absolutely stunned. It, 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 and I understand that they, they were questioned his numbers in Asia, but it's not as though he's the only one that had poor numbers in Asia. Hanscom's numbers in Asian conditions weren't great. Warners are horrific. But what does that do to the confidence and the mentality of Travis Head, who was the informed bat in the home summer? You've got to back him in. You've got to give him a chance. It's a small sample size. He's not even ever played in India. So you're going off Pakistan Sri Lanka, which are slightly different pitches anyway. It was perplexing. It was baffling. And the problem is now that they've painted themselves in a corner, Bexley Dragon, because they don't want to admit that they got the selection call wrong. And then pick him again for the second test. If they do pick him here, they're dropping Renshaw. Or maybe they drop Warner and open the batting with head so he can start against pace. And the concern was batting at number five, they're worried that he had to start against spin. But sometimes you just got to admit you get it wrong. Travis Head has to be in that second test team. He has to be. And at this stage, I don't know what they do. You know, if Cam Green's fit, then he plays. Well, there's still a question mark over Cam Green. We assume Mitchell Stark's going to be fit. He said he'd be right for the second test. You may have heard the clips of Scott Boland during the news bulletin saying, well, he, he doesn't know, but he would think so. Australia unlikely to play three quicks. Well, they're not dropping Cummins. He's your captain. He looked a bit underdone at the start and then eventually found his feet. Boland bowled well. He didn't get any wickets, but bowled better than his figures suggest. But if Cummins is picked and Stark's fit, well, Boland goes and they pick the left armour who can bowl reverse swing. They've got a few decisions to make in the second test starting on Friday. Uh, good morning, Jules. I'd like David Boone as my wingman on a flight from Sydney to London, says Chris from Shell Harbour. You know who else would be a good wingman in a similar vein? Dougie Walters. Because Booney had, what, the 52? I mean, reports vary. But, you know, if you're talking about airport bars and transit lounges, but Doug Walters said, well, his was just on the direct flight, 48 cans. I think Bacchus was second. They're keeping, they're keeping tally on a sick bag. The skull tells a story. And it started to get a bit wet, so it sort of made, made the pen run. But Dougie had the most. Uh, the late great Rob Marshek, and the skull reckons he was good for bronze. Speaking of bronze, Patrick Mahomes named his child bronze. We'll delve a little more deeply into that in the next hour of the program. We'll catch up with Laurie Horish from ESPN as well to have a look at all things Super Bowl. Before the break, quick one on the open line. G'day, Paul. Yeah, g'day, mate. Uh, wingman, I don't the uh, Australian cricket selectors. Yeah. Yeah, no matter how badly I stuffed up or whatever I did, I know they'd have me back. <laughs> but hang on. So it's almost the reverse. No matter how well you've played a la Travis Head, they didn't have his back. So you reckon that So if they retain yeah, know, Warner but... or they retain Renshaw, then you know that they've got your back because you stuffed up. Good angle, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah look up. Not a real confident guy, so I reckon they're going to be good for me. That's not bad, Paul. That's not bad at all. Thank you, mate. Good nomination. You're in the running today for the double pass to the Kings type ants as well as a signet boost 
Power Bank. Hey, Crisco, you said your wingman's Usain Bolt. I've got an issue with that, though. And I'll tell you what that issue is. Because if you're on a good night out with Usain Bolt and troubles are brewing, he goes, let's take off. And I guarantee you're going to be left behind if that's the case. Left field selection, though. Thank you. Rob Gronkowski, all day, every day. That would be an adventure. Dan, great nomination. You can be my wingman anytime. Here you go, Dan, uh, courtesy of Iceman. Rob Gronk. Yeah, you know, we had um, Joe Healy on the breakfast show last week, and she said, oh, there's going to be a few Gronk parties. People texting, what the hell's a Gronk party? Basically a party held by Ron Ron Gronkowski. I'll get that out. Jules, John Daly would be my wingman, says Matt from Coffs. He has the runs on the board to go all night. It'd be a bit of fun as well, I'd imagine. And everybody that's played golf with him, I was interviewing Craig Parry not that long ago, and those that said, John Daly is a ripper of a bloke. Absolute champion bloke. What was that song that he released, All My Exes Wear Rolexes? And that, that story, I think it was the Hero World Challenge, and, you know, he's about to have a beer, and Tiger comes in the locker room, and he says, Tiger, come have a beer. And Tiger opted to go to the practice range. He said, John, if I had your talent, I probably would go for a beer right now. Imagine Tiger Woods saying that. And he's got to play the Genesis, which is wonderful news for the PGA Tour. Tiger is back. one 300 1170 Want to take your calls as well after the news on the open line and the text line number 0457 736 736. Spud from Ashfield Jules, thanks for the Signa Boost Power Bank you gifted me last week. Much appreciated. I'm just happy you got it, Spud. We're tidying up our act here. And Jules, this legend of Boonie getting on the beers and the flight is nothing to Wade Boggs. Baseballer, Simpsons fame, who reportedly down 108 cans from East Coast to West Coast. Are you serious? He won't be my wingman and be doing all the work feeding him. How do you neck 108 cans? What's a flight from East Coast to West Coast? It's similar to Sydney to Perth. You reckon? About six hours, maybe. About six hours. Yeah. 108 cans in six hours. I'll do the maths during the break. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Julian King in the chair for Matt White. Today, tomorrow and Thursday, we've got the break coming up for the 10 o'clock news, Eastern Daylight Time. And the other side of that, uh, we'll have a recap of Super Bowl 57. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs, 38-35 winners over the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll speak to our great mate Laurie Horish from ESPN. One of the best games of, well, gridiron football I've seen in a long, long time. And uh, clearly the two best teams in the competition. I, I thought Philly were the best team for the bulk of that game. Bit Mahomes, uh, he is something special. We've got 1,001 text messages coming in. Want to take your calls as well after the break. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Your thoughts on selections for the second test. Australians, where do they get it wrong? And your wingman. Wingman. Rooster Muzz. Morning, Kingy Coins and Bagpipes. I hope you're well, gents. We are. My wingman would be the greatest rooster of all time, a.e. the great Nicholas George Politis, a.k.a. Uncle Nick, a.k.a. the Godfather. Well, listen... Brown paper bags are not the sort of bags you'd vomit into on a night out with Uncle Nick. The brown paper bags would probably have wads of cash in it. You know where I'm going with that? Thank you, you so much. You can be my wingman anytime. <laughs> Thank you, Rooster Mars. Break for news and back with the second hour of the program talking Super Bowl with Laurie Horace from ESPN and plenty of time for your calls and emails. Stick around. You're on Mornings with Matt White with Jules. Welcome back. Second hour of the program. Julian King of the chair for Matty White today, tomorrow and Thursday. The text line has blown up. Uh, people not happy with the Australian cricket team, not happy with the Australian selectors. And we're asking your thoughts today on who would be your wingman on a night out. Somebody that has stick true right till the very end. This is off the back of Kurt Mann, of course, helping his great mate and captain, Caelan Ponga, who, according to his press conference yesterday, uh, had a bit too much to drink, had some dodgy food. So Kurt Mann... Been a great wingman, ushered him to the cubicle, locked the door behind him, uh, held his hair back while he uh, did the old Technicolor yawn, so to speak. Or so we're led to believe. 
So led to believe. On the basis of that, who would be your great wingman? 0457 736 736. Give us a call on the open line as well. Have your say. one three hundred. 011170. Couple of prizes to give away on the program this morning. A double pass to the Kingsby Cairns Taipans tomorrow night at Kudos Bank Arena. Their home semi final tomorrow. If you want to go, you don't win the pass. Get your tickets via Ticketek. A great game day experience. And of course, a Signet Boost Power Bank. We'll catch up with Laurie Horace shortly on the program from ESPN to have a look at this wonderful game in the Super Bowl. 38 35. Well done to the Kansas City Chiefs already. They're talking about Mahomes' legacy. And it was, you could say, a legacy game. He's got two now. How will he end up in his career? Does he end up in the conversation with Brady? Is he rung below? Does he end up in the conversation with Peyton Manning? Of course, you wouldn't think that, would you? You wouldn't think that. Just before we get to your calls, a host of Aussie players have secured blockbuster contracts for the inaugural Women's Premier League following Monday's evening marathon WPL auction in India. So 15 years. It's been going for 15 years after the maiden IPL changed the face of T20. Five women's teams will compete in a 22-game competition across two venues in Mumbai next month. Ash Gardner, well done to her, claimed a maiden five-wicket haul in the T20 World Cup on Saturday when they decimated New Zealand. She's going to pocket just over 550000 Australian dollars after being picked up by the uh, Gujarat Giants for 3.2 crore. That is the second highest price of the night. Beth Mooney, my favourite Aussie player, the player of the tournament, at the T20 2020 World Cup. Was another big winner on the night. She sold to the Giants for two crore, about 350000 Elise Perry went to RCB. Royal Challengers Bangalore, 297000 Good value. Talia McGrath uh, to the UP Warriors for 244000 Meg Lanning, the captain. Delhi Capitals, 192000 So decent payday for her as well. The highest bid, by the way, of the evening went to India's Smitty Randana, who was sold to the Royal Challengers Bangalore for about 593000 thousand oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is brought to my attention just before we went to the news we had the closing music did i say uh email us do we even have an email mark mm. um i'll ask tommy, tommy. it's pretty old i'll just give out tommy's personal it's email, you know it's a force of habit because my uh, previous employer uh we were big on the email said email us and you go to you know the website and click on the feedback icon we have no such feedback icon so please continue to text us oh four five seven 736 736. Uh, Mick says, Jules, my wingman would be Adrian Morley, the way he cleaned up Richard Villasanti after he whacked Freddie Fittler. He's got my back. Different rules back in the day. Not bad, Mick. In fact, Mick, stop the back of that. You can be my wingman anytime. Good on you. G'day, lads. My wingman was and still is my youngest daughter. After I had a car accident when she was four, she became my shadow. On a visit to an orthopaedic surgeon following one of many surgeries, the doctor asked my daughter, does she think dad is getting better? The reply from a four-year-old, I don't think you did a very good job because he still hurts. That's a real wingman. Angry Roy. You can be my wingman anytime. I love it, Angry Roy. God bless. What's your daughter's name? Let us know. We'll give her a shout-out on air. We apparently do have email. Feedback1170 at sen.com.au. I'd love to know. Does anybody actually monitor those? To the open line we go before we catch up with... Laurie Irish. Hi, Gary. Hello, Julian. I'm just daydreaming, mate. I was just thinking about the Panthers. I think they'll be in the, another grand final this year, without any doubt. Probably. I was, I was thinking, yeah, and, 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 and just quickly on the Roosters, but just on the Panthers, they're playing, they're playing for themselves, their family, playing for the team. I think for their success going forward long term, I think they're playing for their community. If they stick by that and concentrate on that, going forward, I can't see why they wouldn't be in the top four for the next who knows how long. That's my read on it. I think the community keeps them focused. 
got the Neagles got these one comps over the years that keeps them that keeps them grounded. That's my that's my read on that, and and they do that in a big big way. They do it Just better than the anyone, Gary. They do it better than anyone. A huge well of talent in that region, a, a wonderful production line, yeah. and the best pathways in the business. You know, so when Isaac Tunga or Taylor May can appear from nowhere, it's why, you know, To'o and Luai in Crichton, and I know Crichton's on his way out, but, you know, these sorts of players, you're absolutely right. They are from that region. So there's a real deep community feel to that Penrith side. Yep. Just on the Roosters, Julian, just the last 10 years, right, the Roosters are like first, second pick. It was Melbourne, the Roosters, now it's the Panthers, Melbourne, Roosters, give or take. Now, I just want to go back to when the Bunnies knocked them out last year in their last game. Mm. Now, 20 minutes into that game, the Roosters are on the Bunnies' 20-metre line. The Bunnies had 11 players. I'd like, I'd like people to have a look at that set. And the last 20 minutes in the same game, same thing. They were on the 20-metre the, uh, the line attacking the Roosters. I think the, I, I, it wasn't 11 players. But look at their attack on those two big moments. Look at their attack. And they're clearly second in their pick. So I, 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 I don't see them good as... But I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I can't put my yeah, finger on it. Yeah. But that, look, look, Gary, I'm not sure how many people are going to go back and have a look at that. Suffice to say, it's a new season, yeah. uh, new team. I wouldn't, if, if I'm a Roosters fan, I'm not too concerned about that. Gary, I've got to fly. Thank you, mate. Uh, busy as always, 0457 736 736. Just an update from the Brisbane Broncos with regards to Reese Walsh. They uh, receiving a fa- after receiving a facial injury, Reese Walsh, in Sunday night's preseason game against the Titans. The Broncos head of performance, Dave Ballard, has said that Reese has had a CT scan which confirmed a fracture to his eye's orbital floor. Don't know what that means, but the point is the key thing here no surgery required. So Reese's recovery will be monitored in the weeks ahead before a decision is made on his availability for the opening rounds of the competition. So it's a bit of a wait and see at the moment. So he's a, a fracture to his eyes, orbital floor. Reese Walsh in his trial match against the Titans on the weekend. Uh, so they'll monitor his recovery. Uh, I'm not sure what you read into that. I don't know if he's going to be available for round one. I guess we'll wait and see. They do play Friday, March 3rd against defending premiers, the Penrith. So uh, Penrith Panthers. So <laughs> what a way to start the season. On oh, Kevy Walters. That left a few people scratching their heads. Before a season, before the season's even started, before a ball's been kicked in anger, they've extended him. Very curious decision. And, and I understand people do that sometimes for the sake of stability. And there were, despite the fact that they had a late season spiral, I thought it was a pretty decent year for the Brisbane side. Certainly it performed above my expectations, dare I say most people's expectations. But, you know, this commitment to Kevy Walters, you think about what Selwyn Cobbo said, think about what, I think it was it Tyson Gamble said. It's a perplexing decision to say the least. But anyway, it's their call and best of luck to the team at Red Hill. Back to your text in a moment. But well done to the mighty Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the winners of Super Bowl 57, 38 points to 35. One of the best games of football I've seen in a long, long time. It was gripping. A man who was gripped by it is Laurie Horace from ESPN is on the line right now. G'day, Laurie. Morning. Jules, great to be joining you. Uh, have you had a chance to, I guess, come down and to, to assess things in the aftermath of the game? Yeah, I thought I'd let my brain quiet a little in the evening, mm. but uh, there I was, you know, going back over, you know, box scores and looking at different plays and having a look at the Kansas City Chiefs' uh, future salary uh, cap situation, <laughs> and uh, which looks pretty healthy, and I think I'm in a good spot to to uh, continue building this roster that's gone into kind of the version two or era two uh, under the Patrick Mah- Patrick Mahomes 
and uh, Andy Reid tenure together. So uh, the brain has settled down, the uh, the excitement certainly settled down, and, and you left with the cool realization that what we saw last night in the second half performance from from Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, was was something very very special, very, very clinical that married his immense skill set with the composure uh, under pressure that we've seen from Mahomes throughout his five years of starting quarterback in the NFL. You know, it's funny watching this and, and they came back, and particularly in the second half, I just always had the feeling that that the Eagles would somehow just, just do enough to get it done, but a testament to how good this this Kansas City side is. I mean, a lot of teams would be scared if they're, if they're chasing, particularly in the Super Bowl. This, this team is not. They, they have a way of, of breaking down defences the way no other team does. I think we were left with a memory the last time Patrick Mahomes was in a Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers brought in a ferocious defense, a particularly aggressive and talented um, defensive front, up against the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line that had been decimated through injury um, and had had failed to overcome that. Andy Reid has a ridiculous record off the bye week. Andy Reid's record off by 27-4 and throughout his career. And a few years ago, we thought, you know what, even with that matchup issue, Surely Andy Reid with two weeks game plan can come up with a solution. And unfortunately they didn't. And that defense set the tone for that game and Brady was critical and they won a Super Bowl ring. This time around against another terrifying defensive front, especially on numbers, you know, 70 sacks from the Philadelphia Eagles team throughout this season. We're talking record setting numbers here. Didn't get him once. But this was a different offensive line. Yeah. This was a different offensive line. You're absolutely right. Zero uh, sacks on the game uh, allowed Mahomes to operate. Yes, he got the ball away out of his hands quickly at times. I think that's part of the game plan. But you saw early on, you saw Patrick Mahomes hit quick screens, get the ball out of his hand quickly. We saw him, I believe it was on the second play that they had on offense, he scampers um, and gets a gain through on the ground despite the high ankle sprain that everybody's had their eyes on, which is re-aggravated in this game. But he put doubt into that. You do things to put pause into the mind of that defensive front. Get them hesitating, not just tearing up field with reckless abandon. Go, oh, do we need to watch out for something quick outside? Do we need to watch out for Mahomes to run? Is he mobile again? That sets the course. Look, behind 10 points, you know, you lose the at the half. Behind two possessions, you're losing the at the half. I believe it was 22 minutes to eight in terms of the time of possession battle uh, that the, the Eagles were winning. This is a recipe for the Eagles' success. To overcome that with the ridiculous efficiency that the Chiefs played with, Chiefs ran 53 plays. The Eagles ran 70 plays. Yeah. A little bit of that is tilted to the fact that Kadarius Tony returned a punt to the five-yard line. Um, so you're obviously going to have less plays on that drive. But the Kansas City Chiefs had 21 first downs on 53 players on offense without getting too into the weeds on statistics. That's ridiculous. That's yeah. like 40% of the time that you're running a play, you're picking up a first down. That is very hard to overcome. And that's, that's the type of efficiency and the more fundamentally sound version of the Kansas City Chiefs offense that we've seen this year compared to the explosive times with Tyreek Hill, not to mention the effort from the defense that really Nick Bolton leading the way, number 32 there. If you didn't know his name before last night, you certainly do now, who, um, in my opinion, from the Chiefs side of things, was a a very valiant uh, runner-up for MVP, not in my opinion. He was brilliant. You know, talking about who would be a great wingman on the program, I'd pick Bolton. You know, Pacheco I thought was great, you know, for the Eagles with that A.J. Brown was brilliant. you got to feel, you talked about Tony's kick return, you got to feel for Aaron Siposa, not the best kick of his career, but I hope that, uh, you know, they don't pile on him for that because, you know, it, it's funny, you look across four quarters and people want to talk about this holding call, this controversial holding call, you know, James Bradbury on Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, letter of the law, yeah, but it was disappointing. But having said that, Laurie, I can't say that that was a deciding factor in the game and there's so many key moments. I mean, I think about Jalen Hurts, who was almost an MVP performance on losing side, but that fumble, 
you know, that led to a TD for Kansas City. I mean, there are so many isolated moments of the game that you think, gee, you know, this could come back to bite them. Absolutely. Look, Jalen Hurts is the best performance I've ever seen from him, particularly as a passer. We know the damage he can do as a runner um, and the toughness he showed. You think about that two-point conversion. Forget the, 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 the touchdown, the three touchdown um, runs that he had or, or plows over the goal line. That effort on the two-point conversion to maintain your, your yeah. balance through contact there. Talk about contact balance in any sport. That was superb. This was, this was a mark from him. While I know he'll be absolutely shattered that the Eagles didn't take away a Lombardi trophy this year, he's put himself in position to deservedly get a big contract extension. He's continued to put doubters, including myself, um, to sleep about his progress as a passer. He still has room to go, but what he has done with his work ethic and his football character um, and his commitment to getting better and his drive, married with the Eagles putting a great roster around him and that doesn't just elevate your baseline. That inactive, that activates your ceiling as well. It allows you to build on your good habits and not get stuck in repeating bad habits because you're in bad pressured situations. I mean, that's that's a success story for the Eagles. They can feel very positive going forward. As for Aaron Sipos, yeah, I, I had a look back at that punt. No, it wasn't the greatest punt you've ever seen in your life, but I'm also looking at a freeze frame here with Kadarius Tony. When he receives the ball, he's slowed his feet work. He's stopped his feet work. He's planted his left foot in the ground to make a move. And I can see five... Eagles punt coverage members within uh, four or five yards of him ready to make a tackle. There was no way that that's at the 36-yard line. Yeah. There's no way that he should have been able to make it to the five-yard line um, from there. Um, so, and then to the referees, something you mentioned there. Look, that letter of the law penalty against um, against James Bradbury, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Look, Bradbury went to the podium and full credit to the character he showed there. I said Nick Sirianni, who said... It's not about one call. You know, there's 123 mm. plays run by both offensive total. It doesn't come down to just one play. There's a lot of other variables. The fumble you mentioned, um, there's, you know, uh, coin flip calls with the second uh, defensive touchdown from Nick Bolton wiped off the board. The Dallas got it third down conversion that did he have control. You can go to so many points in the game and go, oh, there's a hold. Oh, there's a flag that was missed. Oh, that was a flag on this team. It should be a flag on that team. It's a shame that we didn't see Jalen Hurts in the offense get the right to respond there. If you're looking at the letter of the law, you go by what James Bradbury said, saying, yes, it was a hold, I grabbed him. Yeah. Yes, by the letter of the law, it was. It's just a shame that we're talking about referees in that moment when we got 58 minutes of just an absolute slobber knocker. And uh, it, my view on that is something can be technically, by the letter of the law, it can be a penalty, but it doesn't need to be a flag. That Those two things, in my opinion, can be true in the same play. In that moment, you like to see it stay in the bag and, and see, you know, a minute 30 or so on the clock for Hertz to try and lead the team down, lead the Eagles down and respond. Uh, but a, an amazing Super Bowl and a performance from Patrick Mahomes in the second half, you know, 13 or 14, running, huge running plays. The one incompletion was a throwaway, that, and, and they scored on every single drive in the second half that stamps his claim, you know, putting himself into the greatest of all time conversation and trajectory soon enough. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Just just very quickly on that, you know, five years with the organisation, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs. It is what? Late 20s, I think. I mean, you know, where, what's his end point here, Patrick Mahomes? Oh, he's chasing, he's chasing greatness and he's chasing the greatest of all time. He's, you heard Andy Reid say uh, he wants to become the best player um, the football's ever seen. He's 27 years old. He has, in those first five seasons as a starter, six overall in the league, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, two MVPs, uh, and he's been the centrepiece of all of this. This is something at a pace and a role and a prolific numbers nature that hasn't been seen in the NFL ever. Tom Brady had early success, we know, 
won three Super Bowls very quickly, um, and yet he wasn't the centerpiece of those some of those Super Bowls. There was a, an immense defense that was leading away. He wasn't overcoming teams scoring 35 points on routine in his first seven Super Bowl, his first seven playoff appearances. Tom Brady faced a team that scored over 17 points once, I believe, in Patrick Mahomes' 15 playoff games so far. He's faced a team that scored over 17 points 13 times, I believe. So the, the what he's had to do, the level he's produced regular season and postseason, this is something we have not seen before. He will throw himself. He's in that conversation with the Brady's, Montana's and Manning's of the world, mm. Peyton, not Eli. Um, <laughs> and it's a fascinating one to watch go on because he is 27. He has so much football ahead of him and he's in, inked to the Chiefs with that long 10-year contract. Good on you, Laurie. Thank you so much for your input and your insights across the course of the NFL season. Uh, we'll do it all again. Always great to join you. Thanks a lot. There is Laurie Horish from ESPN. 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. Apparently you can email us, but don't bother because nobody reads them anyway. <laughs> Breaking back with more. Jules in the chair for Matty White this Tuesday morning. Uh, morning, Jules. My wingman would have to be Nick Politis. Not only does he look after the people he cares about, but he's got the bank balance to back it up. He's been popular this morning, Nick Politis. Talking about who your wingman would be, a la, you know, Kurt Mann, been a wonderful wingman to Kalen Ponga. Jules, ultimate wingman. This is very good, Maddie. Ultimate wingman, swimmer, swimmer Craig Stevens, who surrendered the place he earned in the Australian 400-metre freestyle for the 2004 Athens Games to Ian Thorpe, who'd been disqualified in the trials after overbalancing on the blocks. Team player. Team player, Lee. Alfie Chatting St. George can't play. Thank you. Uh, what's that in relation to? Apparently, the Dragons secured immediate release to get Sione Katoa. Do we need more outside backs? I would say halves and four. I read that. I'll, I'll take that with a grain of salt, though. I haven't seen it reported anywhere. I saw that pop up in social media, Pearl. Um, but which Sione Katoa? You know, there's two. There's the winger and there's the other one that played a bit for Penrith, the hooker. I don't even know if he's still playing, Sione Katoa. Jules, do you ever question the IQ of a caller who says the do-good has dropped Travis head? Maybe we should nominate them as flat earthers or even better rednecks. Thank you. Uh, with all these rookies, Andy Reid was forced to play over the last month. You think the Chiefs are going to play finals for the next five or six years, barring injuries? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, Marco, in fact, I might uh, bring in our resident NFL expert on the morning's program with Matty White, uh, that being you, the other Marco. Good morning. Uh, morning, Jules. Looking ahead to season NFL, which teams that didn't make the playoffs this season do you think could make next season? I've picked out four. This is Marco. Uh, Nanda in Brisbane. Uh, Detroit, Washington, the Jets, and Miami. The Jets, I think, have got a bit of promise. Uh, thoughts on Detroit, Washington, and Miami? They mark. Uh, Detroit, absolutely, yeah. They've got a great coach in Dan Campbell, who's in his second year there, and they they turned Jared Goff, who was a, a kind of a deadbeat quarterback, who was on his way out of the league. It was kind of a transition year for the Lions. Uh, have a bad year, get the first round pick maybe, and, and pick a, a rookie quarterback. And then Jared Goff went off and got vo- voted into the Pro Bowl, so he had a really good year for them. So yeah, if they keep going with the same system, Amon Ross St. Brown's one of the best wide receivers in the league there for the Lions, so I can see them pushing him. The one I'm going to push back on is absolutely Washington. Not a chance. Not a chance to Washington. If, if I've ever thought of a team that's going to slide even more, it's going to be be the Washington Commanders. They've got a rookie or second-year quarterback. It'll be Matt Corral there. They're a, they're a bad organization. 8-8 eight and eight was a very, very... Um, Lucky. Inflated okay. scoreline. I'll say that. They are, not, they are not an 8-8. Eight and eight. They are not a 500 team. Hmm. No way. Absolutely not. Jets... You mentioned the their big issue was Zach Wilson was their quarterback, their 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 young player. He is not a good quarterback. He needs to get out of the 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 the, the town there. The big rumor is Aaron Rodgers. 
to the Jets because their OC, their new OC, is, is Rogers' former OC. So I could see the Jets pushing in, but I can't believe you not mentioned them. New England Patriots. Mm. We've got a brand new offensive system. Mm. Bill O'Brien's come back. Mac Jones is going to be Jones. flying. Is he going to be flying? Yeah, because yeah, because he's injured a lot. Yeah, I get that. We don't have Matt Patricia or or Joe Judge or some some nonsense coordinators who have never coached quarterbacks before coaching him. He's actually going to have a good proper quarterbacks coach, a good offensive coordinator, and this will be the year that the Patriots refine their glory. And it's another twenty. Okay, let's dynasty. write that down on our uh, whiteboard of fields predictions. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Matt says, Jules, I appreciate the Super Bowl, but gee, the mainstream media have gone overboard on it. For Webster to say it's like Melbourne Cup Day is laughable. My mum, dad, sister, aunties, and uncles have absolutely no interest, but they all watch the Cup. Yeah, I think what Webby's trying to say is that the tides are changing. The viewer numbers are going up. He's looking at the demographic breakdowns. It's huge, particularly for, for males under 30. And think about it is, I mean, Joel Kane, we know, loves Melbourne Cup's favourite day of the year. Oh, I think Melbourne Cup's on the slide. Super Bowl Monday, it's just an excuse to, to start sinking beers at 10 o'clock in the morning, basically. So, no, I'm not, I'm not for a moment saying it's rivaling the Melbourne Cup, but it's on an upward trajectory. I think the Cup is on a downward trajectory. At the moment. Bondi Jack, uh, yes, I read your early one about Pat Cummins. Haven't read it out yet. What Gary is referring to in the back end of both halves v South is 100% spot on. Robbo puts Soali'i at number one instead of leaving him at right wing. Huge mistake, shuffling the back line by not using Nagama at one. Soali'i murdered four tries on the left side, two in each half. What Gary fails to grasp at the Chooks win by 20 plus. If Teddy and Toops don't go down in the first 20 minutes or if Marnie plays. Yeah. Thing about it is, the point I make is that I'm not looking at that performance against South Sydney and in any way reading that as an omen for 2023. They're a better side this year, Bondi Jack. They'll be there and thereabouts. My wingman is you, Kingy. Love my music trivia as well as sport. I know you're a wizard, but good on you, Pedro. That's very... Oh, I'm a good wingman. Not to blow my own trumpet. I'm a very good wingman. Can Last you... man standing. Can I give you some very quick NFL well, number, number stats? Go. Uh, it is over in the US. The Chiefs and Eagles Super Bowl drew an average audience of 113 million viewers. Mm. It's making it, uh, making it the most watched Super Bowl in six years and the third most watched television show ever. Third most watched. Third most watched television show ever. Isn't the ma- I thought the MASH finale was still number one. I think it still is. Yeah, right. Okay. 113 million this year. Yeah, right. I reckon if they played like that Blue Heeler Siege episode, that would have been right up there. <laughs> Uh, this is funny, Rooster Marzin. We're a bit late for the news headlines. What is Gary referring to? Oh, no, sorry, that's Bondi Jack. He says, oh, what are you talking about with us chookies? We're a simple club doing our best, surviving and nothing more than lambing and drives and chook crackles. Hang on, isn't, isn't Mini bringing in his organic food trucks and the rest of it? Funny, funny stuff. $6.5 million for a 30-second ad during Super Bowl halftime. You know what they should have played? The, um, the Daily Nudge with Carl Fays. That'll bring him in. Jules in the chair for Matty White today, tomorrow and Thursday. King, I heard your original gag about paper bags. I've no idea what you're talking about. We're just a simple club. The Roosters doing our best surviving guests. And the Lamington, yeah, thank you so much. I love a good Lamington. Got to have the jam in the middle, quite frankly. Hi, Jules. If you believe Ponga's story, you'll believe that I can fit into a size small shirt on my 108 kegs, says Jody from the lake. Uh, do they think we're all stupid? I can guarantee you Kurt Mann wasn't helping him with his talking technique. Just tell the truth and move on. Well... Investigation found nothing, so prima face, we have to take him on his word. Jules, says Bondi Jack. Pity Paddy Cummins flummed 3.2 mil in the IPL exactly two years ago, mistaken as an all-rounder. That went to 1.4 mil a year ago. His batting is so poor, capitalised, now that he's not worth a crumpet in IPL, too embarrassed to go in the auction to be outbid by Gardner. 
is our worst batting bunny since the day that full captain swapped with Stark, hurting Stark's natural hitting at nine as well, says Bondi Jack Pierce. Uh, Pat's average has fallen off a cliff down 27.6 to 5. It has. His batting has indeed fallen off a cliff. I agree. Remember Mitchell Stark got a 99. Was it 27? It was in Mahali. Test 99, Mitchell Stark. I agree. I agree. Bondi Jack, we don't always agree. But, yes, you're right with regards to your assessment of Paddy Cummins. Now, the NRL, this is from David Riccio and Brent Reid in The Telegraph. They're on the brink of a landmark agreement for the women's game with the NRLW players set to be part of a 20-week season and operate under an unprecedented $1.5 million salary cap. The historic proposal is in the final stages of being ratified after the NRL and RLPA spent the past week thrashing out the critical details which have been at the centre of the ugly dispute between head office and the players' union. The fight over women's funding has threatened to escalate into potential industrial action by the men's players during the NRL pre-season challenge. Now, the Telegraph obtained a leaked copy of the proposal. This was late last night. Features joint NRL and RLPA letterhead confirms the women's game is poised to enter the professional era under a charter that includes a $900,000 salary cap in 2023. That'll rise to one and a half in 2027. Minimum wage 30000 this year rises to 50000 thereabouts in 2027. A significant rise in workload with a 20-week season slated for 2023 and 2024, expanding to 23 weeks by 2025. Every club will have 24 players and four development players. That also includes support for pregnant players as well as leave provisions. That was a sticking point. Every club will be funded with a designated NRLW welfare officer. Also included in the private and confidential proposal is that female players will receive 50% of premiership prize money. And crucially, the players' union and NRL appear to have agreed on flexibility for expansion from 10 teams in 2023. So progress been made, which is good to see. And as fans, we're just all hoping that a resolution is on the horizon. And judging by this report, and this was, as we said, a key sticking point in and around the women's game, collective bargaining agreement. How long will the season be in years to come? How much money? The salary cap? Minimum wage? And pregnancy provisions? We dragged him into the studio for the first time today. I talk, of course, of the... He's going to spend the next 10 minutes talking about Gareth from Newtown <clears> and his opinion on the Roosters. We've got a little... little. You've got to chuck your two cents worth on the table. There we go. Uh, hello, Thomas. Jules, listeners, great to be here once again. Thank you. And thank you for filling in this week for Matty. No, my pleasure. My pl- oh, you know, I love doing this program. I love doing this program. Your favourite program, did you say, to do on SC Oh, look, it's like your kids, isn't it? You know, you love them equally but differently. But there's one that always kind of is yeah. a tier above the rest. Look, I'm look, I'm just happy to. I'm, you can somebody, tell me off I think it was Pedro. Somebody said, uh, Jules, you're like the Connor Watson of SEN. I said, oh, is that a compliment? I think he meant it as a compliment. Well, Connor's always busted. At least I'm showing up to work. Prayers up for Connor Watson. He's got that fractured patella, which yeah. was finally confirmed last week. Have you seen that? So he's been wheeled around in a wheelchair and he has to keep his leg completely straight. Mm. So he can't bend it whatsoever. So. Ouch. Very, very uncomfortable. So hopefully yeah. for a quick and swift recovery for Connor. Well, about half the year, they reckon, he's going to be out. Is that yeah, right? I think at end of July. So maybe on that lead into the finals, that's when he'll be back on so, the field. So does he need the attention of Billy Knowles, who's working on Ryan Pappenhausen's Patella? And he worked on what worked with Turbo and worked yeah. with Latrell Mitchell. Yeah. So maybe. he doesn't just do hammies. He doesn't uh, need but you know, hammies and kneecaps. Roosters aren't really big clubs like Manly or South Sydney or the Storm. We no, can't really no, afford no, to send our players surviving over. Surviving on Lamington yeah, drives, of we course. Can't, yeah. We can't um, afford to send our players over there. So. That's right. Yeah, so he doesn't just do hammies. He does hammies and kneecaps. He's like the NRL 
physio's version of, you know, barber slash tobacconist. He kind of does everything, Billy Knowles. The hamstring whisperer. He is the hamstring whisperer. That's what they call him. Well, did he work on Novak's hamstring? Uh, that was a, uh, me, Maddie and I had this debate a few weeks ago. That was complete rubbish. Complete rubbish. He did not have a three-centimetre hamstring tear. There was no way he could have played the Oz Open with that. Uh, filthy, just quickly. I think Ponga would have been wise just not say anything. It was over. Why bring it up? Well, the journos brought it up. That's the other question. Well, have, gonna you, ask some questions. have you heard the, the old saying, just deny, deny, deny? Just yeah. never bring it up. I mean, The I investigation get... found nothing, right? Well, what do you say? It was two blokes went. It looked weird, but... Well, why was there an the integrity chemical. unit investigation if it was just a mate helping a mate out who was sick with food poisoning? It was odd, though, wasn't it? It was very odd. Uh, who was the caller? I heard the, the Vossi and Brady this morning. Why did they lock the door behind him? He said, can you hold my hair? I don't want to get it in my hair. I want to blow chunks in my hair. Is it a big deal? Probably not, but it's just, it's just, it, it's only, people are still only talking about it just because of how farcical it is. I want a wingman like Kurt Mann. Who would be your wingman, by the way? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, you've had an hour and a half to think I about know it, mate. Well, yeah, but you've kind of put, you've kinda put it, yeah. me on the spot, though, because I'm on air right now. Um, best wingman? Boyd Gordon. Travis Head. Travis Head, why? Because he comes in. Mm. Right, and he's just a ball of energy. Takes on, you know, you know, he'll take some blows for you as well. Take the pressure off you. Put the pressure back on to the opposing player, the opposing team. You can just sit back, watch your thing, do your job, and he just, you know, he'll take all the pressure off you. So Travis Head, and hopefully he's there for the second it's test. It's funny, he's you know, by not playing in that first test, his stocks have risen enormously. Uh, Travis Head, what's happening in NRL? Well, Appy Coruscant named West Tigers captain. They had what five last year. They've now gone with uh, Appy Coruscant for the sole leader. I was a bit, I was just looking online and some of the West Tigers fans, and I loved them to, for them to weigh in, a little bit torn. Remember he had those comments last year after the Panthers celebra- grand final celebrations. I think he was a bit drunk. You don't have to read too much into it. But if you look, at, under the if you look at some of the other nominees or some of, some of the other options, Dave Anofaluma, no, not really. Who knows if he's going to be there in a year's time. Luke Brooks, the same again, not really an on-field leader. Um, John Bateman, not even in the country yet. David Clemmer could have been a close one. Isaiah Papali, not a known massive talker. Um, Appy Correstow, I think he, him and Clemmer are the most experienced players there. Betty Hart, sort of Dewey and Brooks. Well, I was about to get Adam Dewey. So I think he's the logical choice. A young guy, you can invest your future, invest your time in. But with Mitch, with the looming signature that it seems Mitch Moses may be with the West Tigers, and they're obviously very, very supportive of Luke Brooks and his future. I don't know why, given what they what he has done for that club the last 10 years. It seems that Adam Dewey is on the outer at the West Tigers. So we, maybe they, that's why they didn't name him as his captain. Maybe. Do we read too much into this, though? I mean, he's a natural leader. I'm happy with Appy. If you're a Tigers fan, don't worry about those comments. Because you remember before that when Isaiah Papali was acting a little non-committal about his future with the Tigers. They asked Appy, because no, man, of my word, I've signed, I'll be there next year. And that's what you want to hear uh, from your prospective captain. We'll take a break. Thank you, Tom. On the other side of this, a bit of tennis with Brett Phillips. Uh, Julian King in the chair for Matty White today, tomorrow and Thursday. In fact, for Matty White all this week, because we didn't have Matthew's program yesterday due to the Super Bowl. And then on Friday, of course, uh, the other Matty, Matty Johns, back in action for the second time in season 2023. We've got a break for news coming up. On the other side of that, we'll catch up with our great friend Simon Hill. We've got the global game on tonight. Uh, the Merseyside derby, a much-needed win for Liverpool, 2-0 over Everton, so we'll dissect that for you. And we've got 1,001 text messages, uh, very forthright opinions, and I'd expect nothing less on the text line, 0457 736 736, about the Australian test team selections and the rest of it. Uh, who you got for the second test? Uh, Bondo Jack's back in touch. Jules. 
Thank the Lord the great man got KC Mahomes v. the Penn State Marxist Collective. <laughs> Those Philly fascists are so bent they voted in the dead Democrat of the midterms. Careful. The activist sooks are probably torching Phoenix as we speak. Bono Jack. P.S. Don't fret, J.K. Anyone emulating Michael McLaren's silk voice can't be too woke. Thank you, Bono. Well, look, Michael McLaren, I'll declare, is a friend of mine. I've got another work network. I worked with Michael for a number of years. He's a lovely gentleman. And I was voted the best Michael McLaren impersonator in the building. I won't share that with you now, Bondi Jack. Suffice to say, I'm very, very good at it. It's better than my Alan Jones. And I'll leave it at Thank you so much. 0457 736 736. Marcel says, uh, great show on the cricket. I think we forget the very soft lead in Australia had against the West Indies in South Africa. The Aussies were never tested and believed their own hype. The Indian and English tools will expose Cummins. Feel good captaincy in a soft team underbelly. Bring back JL. I don't think JL's going to make a difference here, Marcel. A lot of people think he will. But as I said, he led a team to defeat on home soil, including a loss at Fortress Gabba. Cummins' captaincy record's been outstanding. You can only play what's in front of you. I guess time will tell, but it's hard to win in India. Not the only team. That'll be a thump there. Thank you, Marcel. Always appreciate your input. Keep those texts coming in. Want to take your calls as well. one 1170 A break for news coming up at 11 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. Simon Hill on the other side of that. Jules in the chair for Matty White this Tuesday morning. Yeah, welcome back to the final hour of the program. Julian King in the chair for Matty White all this week. Great to have your company. Thank you, everybody, for your contribution to the program so far. I haven't had a chance to get through all these text messages. Uh, I'll endeavour to read them out by the close of program today. We had so many coming in. Uh, a lot of people forthright opinions with regards to the Australian Test team. And we've been asking your thoughts today off the back of Kurt Mann and what a great mate he is supporting his captain, Caelan Ponga. Who would be your wingman? would be a great wingman for you in the world of sport. Our great friend Simon Hill from the Global Game will join us shortly on the program to go through all the latest football news. Um, Wade Boggs, Port Macquarie Pearl mentioned this in the second hour of the program. Forget about Booney, forget about Doug Walters. Apparently knocked back, and I don't know if it's, it's probably the stuff of legend, I don't know how true it is, 108 cans on a flight from the east coast to the west coast or, or vice versa, which say it's a six-hour flight. That's 18 cans per hour. You do the maths on that. That cannot be physically possible. I want to know how big the cans are. So Wade Boggs apparently knocked back 108 cans on a flight from the east coast to the west coast of the United States of America. Uh, Irresponsible. Not just by him, but irresponsible of the staff to keep pumping him full of drinks. I mean, surely there's, you know, RSA laws or the equivalent, even in the air, in American airspace. I um, picked up the Aldi Scotch Fingers the other day. You know how sometimes what Aldi do not quite the same as the originals? These, I reckon, are on par. It's my vice when it comes to biscuits. I love a good scotch finger. But you hold them more than about three seconds in the tea and they break off. But the Aldi scotch fingers, here goes a free plug. They're very, very nice. Now, just recapping the news, fractured eye socket for Reese Walsh. The Brisbane Broncos released a statement earlier today saying, look, we'll just monitor it. He does not require surgery, thankfully. The, uh, the prodigal son is returning to Red Hill. Uh, looks like he's secured that number one jersey for the Broncos for the start of the 2023 season, but will he be fit in time? I'd be very surprised if he's fit for round one, I guess. They didn't put a time frame on his return, but he doesn't need surgery, and they'll just monitor his progress. Now, an Australian man has taken home the ultimate piece of memorabilia from Monday's Super Bowl. After he caught the match-winning field goal in Arizona, what about that? Eamon Dixon, his name is, he's 40 years of age, wasn't even planning on going to this year's Super Bowl, ended up in the right place at the right time, and the ball... It's landed in his lap. This was the Pack State Farm Stadium. So the field goal, as you know, that was a difference for the Kansas City Chiefs who pulled off a thrilling 38-35 to win over the Philadelphia Eagles. That's their second win in four years. Raced out here, two hours, supposed to fly back. 
wasn't really going for any, wasn't, was just there for everyone, according to Eamon Dixon. He says, it's always been a bucket list item to go to the Super Bowl. It's pretty awesome the way it turned out. He was speaking to Melbourne Radio this morning. You don't expect it. I was a bit taken aback, held on to uh, both the phone and the ball. Didn't drop the phone. Luckily, I wasn't holding a beer as well. That would have been a bit awkward. <laughs> so as a man from North Fitzroy, Melbourne, he had to carefully navigate his way out the stadium without the ball being pinched. You know, it shades of the Buddy Franklin one, with the bloke just, when he caught Buddy's thousandth goal and just hightailed it. And then he said, no, no, I was always going to give it back. Well, then why did you run away with the ball from the stadium? The whole ceremony and a presentation will give you a jersey. You just, we want our ball back. He caught it. I mean, what are the odds of that? So clearly, the, I guess the rules are a bit different because I think as it stood, certainly in the AFL, and I think in the NRL, the balls are the property of the club, maybe. So if you catch it in the crowd, if you catch it in the crowd, it's not your property. It's a little different in the baseball. You catch it, same with the cricket balls. You've got to give them back. I don't know if that's the case with, with an NFL ball. If you catch it, then it's all yours. And he said, now he's sitting in his hotel room holding it. There's people trying to get it off him. But there's a nice little keepsake, the match-winning field goal. It wasn't even meant to be there. It wasn't going for anyone. Just got a, a prime spot behind the goals. Catches the winning field goal. There's a nice little souvenir. I tell you what, you'd be checking. That'd be carry-on luggage, wouldn't it? Put it in the overhead compartment. There you go. 0457 736 736. Dane on the text line, just with regards to the Aussie test side. Uh, Jules, I don't agree that the selection panel made the wrong decision necessarily. Renshaw was given an opportunity that he didn't take. Don't get me wrong, I would personally have selected ahead all day. Well, they are backing themselves in with their selections. The thing about it is if they were going to drop head and they're worried about the fact that, that Australia was so many flush with so many left-handers, well, then you would have then picked Hanscom, the right-hander, and retained head over Renshaw. Because you can't tell me that Travis Head wasn't a better option than Matt Renshaw, and I'm a big Matt Renshaw fan, if you had to somehow squeeze the right-hander and Hanscom in the side. We're all wise after the event. You know, we're all armchair selectors. Thank you, Dane. Uh, g'day, I think the exclusion of Travis Head from the first test and his captaincy during uh, said shows that Patrick Cummins should be removed from any decision-making positions. A broom is needed again for both the leadership and the selectors. David Warner should not be on this tour either. He probably shouldn't have played the Sydney test, but he got a double and luck. Good luck to him, but that should have been the end. Well, that's it, oh, Tony. I mean, you're not going to drop him for Sydney after he gets 200 in Melbourne, are you? And I think with somebody of that calibre, played the 100 tests, been brilliant at the top of the order for so long for Australia. They have a few credits for the bank. A lot of people are calling for Warner to be dropped. He's on shaky ground. And as I said, I've always I've defended Warner. And he's the sort of batsman where I say, well, he's only really one innings away from return to form. I'm not getting that feeling now from him. But I would afford him one more test. If he fails, then that could be his very last ever test match, David Warner. But I'm prepared to give him one more. Because they're all poor. And Kawaja, that was, a, that was a, an atrocious shot in the second innings. Atrocious shot from somebody that should know better. Good on you, Tony. Thank you for that. Aussie test side. This is from Grant. Uh, we feel like a reactive team. The Indians are playing with our minds beautifully. That's the thing. The Aussies, everyone's talking about the Australian meter pitch doctoring. You know, this spot outside the off stump for left-handers. Well, they're two lefties who weren't first-choice batsmen. And Akshar Patel and Ravi Jadeja batted beautifully. Looked like a road. At the end of the day, both teams got a bat on it. I'm just sick of this whinging and this whining about it. Get on with it. It's the same for both teams. Half preparing wickets, we dropped Trav Head. Don't let us have a centre wicket. We can't practice congratulating him on good bowling. 
Change of venue for the third test with Colin Kuhneman. We are gone. Yeah, it does look a bit reactive at the moment. If you ask me right now who's above, you know, who's ahead in the pecking order, I think Kuhneman is ahead of Agar in the pecking order. How things change. Wasn't Warner going to be captain six months ago? Now he's on the out. Oh, I don't know if he was. For Warner, it wasn't about being captain. It's just nice to know that he was in the conversation. Because the lifetime leadership ban, frankly, was a joke. Morning, the King, says Slug. Hello, Sluggo. Definitely have to swap Travis Head back in for all that, for that lanky Renshaw. He bats like an octopus falling from a tree. Yes, of course, that famous expression used to describe the swing of Jim Furyk. You know what, I'd trade... People say that I've got an all-right-looking goal swing. And I feel myself, it's not bad, it's not the worst. Not here to give myself a rap. doesn't matter because the swing looks good, but I can't hit it straight. Jim Furyk, one of the ugliest swings in history. But my goodness, he can hit it straight. Back to your text in a moment, 0457 736 736. And calls in the open line, 1300 01 1170. Well, I don't know if he's uh, straight off the tee, but he's a straight shooter. I speak of Simon Hill, host of the Global Game, who joins us right now. Morning, Simon. Morning, Julian. I can't hit it straight either. I'm a terrible hooker and slicer. <laughs> yeah, I'm a terrible slicer, too. They say it's called golf because all the other four-letter words are taken, and it's it's probably an apt <laughs> description of, of that game. Let's start with the Premier League this morning, the famous Merseyside derby, uh, two teams that aren't in, in great form, but uh, well, they had to win this Liverpool, and they did. Yeah, look, it's an important win for Liverpool. Uh, obviously, they're aiming for the top four. I mean, the title's gone. They're way too far behind. They've had a, a really baffling season, so inconsistent. And, of course, Everton needed the points as well. They're battling against uh, relegation, and um, they got a great result against Arsenal last week. Uh, but they couldn't back that up. And uh, Liverpool looked a little bit more like their own, their own old selves. Uh, Mo Salah and Cody Gakpo with his first goal. Uh, since signing on in the January transfer window. Uh, it doesn't do an awful lot for their league position, takes them up to ninth, and they're still nine points behind Newcastle in fourth. But, uh, yeah, an important three points, and obviously it's it's local bragging rights as well in, in Merseyside. Now, this has probably flown under the, the radar somewhat. I, I speak, Simon, of the 2023 Cup of Nations. It commences this Thursday. We've got a double header at Gosford. So if you're in the area, you want to see some good football, head on down. We've got Australia, Spain, Czech Republic and Jamaica will all take part in the tournaments. It's a round robin. Uh, we're expecting... Uh, how does Gustafsson treat this? Is it, I guess, uh, you know, is there a lot of experimentation going on? Is it it's basically about fine-tuning before the World Cup? Yeah, I think the time for experimentation, or at least large-scale experimentation, mm. is probably done. Uh, you know, the Women's World Cup is, is only a few months away now, and this is probably the best and one of the last opportunities for a proper dress rehearsal. Um, you know, it's in front of a home crowd uh, against three teams who are different all in their own way and have been chosen, uh, sort of hand-picked, really, to reflect Australia's group opponents at the World Cup in terms of their style and their quality. So... Uh, this will be, you know, a good uh, indication as to where the Matildas are at. Uh, I think most of Gustafsson's squad are pretty much nailed on. We've, we've seen a couple of new uh, caps being called up in recent camps. Claire Hunt is, is one that's in, in contention for this particular Cup of Nations. Amy Sayer returns as well. But I, I think most of Gustafsson's squad is, is locked in, uh, barring injuries or a dramatic loss of form. And uh, really, he's going to be looking for uh, the girls to put on a show in these three games and prove to the nation and to the world that, uh, you know, they're going to be uh, strong competitors at the Home World Cup. I'm really thrilled by this Home World Cup. And I, I, 
hope and pray that the nation gets behind the the, uh, the Matildas, and I think they will. It, they it's, will. Uh, no doubt. It, it's funny, isn't it? You think about the rotation in the coaching ranks, Stajic and, and Milicic and now, now Tony, but it almost pales in comparison. The reports in the Herald that up to 15 Spanish players reportedly making themselves unavailable due to a dispute with their coach. Yeah, look, that's been going on a while, to be honest. Uh, that started uh, well before Christmas, and um, it's almost become a, a standoff. The, the players are not happy with uh, you know their conditions, um, and seemingly the coach, Jorge Vilda, as well. Uh, the federation has dug their heels in and said, well, the coach is going nowhere, so if you, if you don't want to play, well, that's fine. You don't play. Uh, so they're in Australia with, <laughs> I guess, what, a lot of people would would label a second string squad, but to be honest, their depth goes so deep, uh, and a lot of the European nations are the same these days, that uh, they will still be a formidable side, and uh, Australia will have their work cut out to beat Spain. That's probably the most difficult of the three. Jamaica we know a little bit about because we played them in the Women's World Cup not so long ago. Uh, Czechia, the, the old Czech Republic, um, they're, they're a bit more of an unknown quantity, but... Uh, they're durable, tough to beat. They got a draw with England in London uh, at the back end of last year. So they're no mugs. And uh, yeah, this, this will be a good test. But the Spanish are probably the, the, the quality outfit of the three that the Matildas have to face. Turning our attention to the A-League, uh, they're just getting some momentum now, Sydney FC. Third win on the trot, but uh, crucially for them in the last two games against two top four opponents and great rivals in the Mariners and the Wanderers, a bit of fire as well at the back end of this game. It's interesting, I spoke to Stevie Corrick, and I believe he's your guest on the Global Game tonight, and we caught up with Steve mm-hmm. on the breakfast program last week, and I sort of almost tongue-in-cheek said, you know, to, to build up this clash, can we have a little war of words in the press between you and uh, your former title-winning captain in, in uh, Marco Rudan? Well, uh, we did have some fire between them post-match. Uh, what did you make of that? Well, I guess that's you know what you get with derbies and uh, both coaches obviously desperate to win um you know the Wanderers would have uh, gone back second had they got the points uh, Sydney just you know desperate to to stay in the six and close the gap on the top team so it, it was always going to be a, a little bit heated derbies normally are and uh, look I think once everything calms down the two coaches uh, you know, won't, won't mind too much about what went on uh, post-game. Uh, I think Steve Corricker accused Rudan of, be, of being a sore loser. And, you know what, he's probably right. I mean, <laughs> you know, Rudan's a passionate character yes. and he doesn't want to lose, particularly yeah. at home in a derby. So, uh, you know, they, they, these things happen. Um, and it, it's good to see that there's, you know, some fire and, and passion in, in the competition and that the derby still means so much to people. Uh, it was great publicity for the game. Um, it's nice too to see Joel King returning yeah. for uh, for Sydney FC, and they just you know I think another a number of teams now, but just looking over the shoulder, they're they're firmly entrenched in in fifth place. Um, you know this is a team that has all the experience and they know how to play in the finals. So uh, and the competition, of course, be wanting Sydney FC to play in the finals. Simon, um, the, now they face Brisbane Raw this Saturday night, Allianz Stadium. Just uh, the latest on Erling Haaland's hamstring injury. Uh, you've got this top-of-the-table clash, big game, your Man City and Arsenal. Yeah, massive game on uh, Wednesday night's uh, UK time. And, and Haaland came off during the 3-1 win uh, against Aston Villa at the weekend with a hamstring problem. To be honest... I have a feeling he'll play. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a few ducks and drakes going on. Uh, City were 3-0 up at half-time. 
Pep Guardiola will have been well aware that that game against Arsenal was coming up during the week, which is you know the biggest clash of the season in the Premier League so far. Oh. And I just wonder whether, even if he's got a slight tweak in that hamstring, whether you know he's just uh, taking him off to uh, to rest him up to Wednesday night. And of course, they're talking it up that he's touch and go, and he's you know he's got a problem, and we don't know if he's going to be fit. I tell you now, I think he'll play. If unless you know, I'm reading that completely wrong. I, I think Haaland will play. Why would you not want your top goal scorer if he's anywhere near fit yes. uh, to play in a game of this magnitude? So I, I think he'll play. It's going to be a cracker. Uh, just to, before we let you go, Simon Statsy on the text line says, uh, G'day, Jules and Simon. A terrific point at Emirates by Brentford. When they got promoted last year, mm. I was hoping they'd stay out of relegation. They far exceeded that. My goal this year was the same at the start of the season, but now it looks like they'll finish top 10. Do you see players like David Raya and, and uh, Ivan Tony moving to bigger clubs on the back of their performances, says Statsy? Well, it's, uh, your texture is absolutely right. And David Raya, I think uh, the goalkeeper is already being uh, linked with, and I use this uh, term advisedly, bigger <laughs> Premier League clubs. <laughs> um, I think there's... Uh, a, a, an issue with his contract at the moment, which is probably opening up that speculation. Apparently he's turned down two offers of a new deal, um, which suggests that he's aware of that interest as well. Manchester United, Chelsea have been linked with him. Uh, one or two others. Tottenham, of course, have got a vacancy there at the moment because Hugo Lloris is, is out for six weeks with an injury. Um, so look, it'll be interesting to see his future. Ivan Tony. I think the only thing with Tony is is that he, he's had a few off-field issues. Um, he's been a little bit of a naughty boy in the past, which um, may put one or two clubs off. But there's no doubt he's, he's a proven goal scorer these days in the Premier League. And what a job Thomas Frank is, is doing with Brentford. They're, they're amazing, really. Uh, probably the smallest club or one of the smallest clubs in the Premier League. And uh, they're on the fringes of the European race, which... Um, it's just remarkable. And, uh, yeah, the longer they can keep hold of Frank and players like Raya and Tony, the better. And just very quickly, Simon, before we let you go, uh, have you caught much of Harry Suter playing for Leicester? A great win over Spurs 4-1. Uh, how's he settled into the Foxes? Yeah, look, I, th- I think he did uh, pretty well uh, at the weekend. Um, obviously, his debut was uh, slightly tarnished by the fact <laughs> yes. he scored an own goal, which was a little bit unfortunate, but... Look, I've got no doubt that, that Harry will be fine in the Premier League. He's got the quality. We saw that at the World Cup. And uh, I'm sure you've heard the, the post-game comments at the weekend of his manager, Brendan Rodgers, who says he's very happy with him. And you know, obviously, he's bought him for quite a decent sum of money, uh, $15 million. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, it's great to have uh, an Aussie, albeit with a Scottish accent, um, back playing in the Premier League again. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, thank you so much for your time, as always, Simon. Uh, we'll catch you in all the football action tonight on the Global Game with Broski and the third banana and your special guest, the Heath Sky Blues coach, uh, Steve Corica. <laughs> I'll tell him you said that, the you... third banana. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never live it down. Thank you, Simon. Cheers. Here he is, Simon Hill, host of the Global Game. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Been a busy, busy program today. Yes, uh, we like me, did you forget about Valentine's Day? Forgot it was Valentine's Day. So I'm going to have to pick up something for the missus on the way home. I won't get flowers. I mean, because the other thing there is that they're dreadfully overinflated on this time of year, aren't they? So normally, whatever costs you 50 bucks, they'll go, yeah, 80 bucks. So they package it up. It's a Valentine's Day package. You get a stuffed teddy bear and some chocolates. It is a rort. Show bags are better value than flowers on Valentine's Day. See, my wife is a woman of simple pleasures. She goes, oh, I'll just get her a flake. 
Yeah, here, Dale. That'll do. She's not big. When you're married for, for over 10 years, well, you tend to not celebrate these things as much as you did when you're first dating. And I remember our first date. I took her to Shakespeare by the sea. Isn't that beautiful? To see Romeo and Juliet. Second date was to the Powerhouse Museum. No, second date, sorry, was a T20 game. Sydney Cricket Ground showing my hand early. And third date was a Star Wars exhibition Powerhouse Museum. So there you go. Traversed all different, uh, I guess, aspects of life. Uh, Jules says, Matt, the Wade Boggs drinking story, that wasn't sent by Caelan Ponga, was it? Some people make up anything for a Signet Boost power bank. I don't think he needs a Signet Boost power bank, Caelan Ponga. In 40s own, certainly. 18 cans of American beer, probably the equivalent to 18 West Coast coolers. It's as weak as, you know, what's his rhino, Mike? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of... You know what I noticed? It was a long time ago. I was at this bar, Surfside Village in San Diego. They are big on the light beers in America. Like, they would just go to, go to the bar and go, oh, just give me Coors Lights. So many of them drink Coors Lights. I, I didn't understand it. It was a good part of 20 years ago now. And I know non-alcoholic beer or zero-alcoholic beers on the rise, mid-strengths as well. They're a hell of a lot better than a Coors Light. Oh, I never quite understood that. But I'm with you. Terrible, terrible beers. Uh, the first test aside, look into the future. Who are the up-and-coming opening batters for Australia? Uh, good question. They still want Will Pekofsky to be their man. He was the one he earmarked. He only played the one test, of course, a few concussion and mental health issues. Um, if he can get back on the park for an extended period, he will play for Australia again. Will Pekofsky, Henry Hunt from South Australia. Renshaw's still got time on his side. He could open the batting for Australia. Marcus Harris just scored 100 in the Shield. He seems to be the forgotten man. Some are saying his cards are marked, but if he keeps scoring hundreds, he might get another look. And the other one, too, that they thought his test career was done and dusted, but it's been pretty good, was Cameron Bancroft. He probably knows his game better than he ever did. How old's Bancroft now? Be about 30. Still got time on his side. So there are options for Australia. There are options. Fatigue Wiley's another young one. He's played a bit in the middle order for, for WA. Very, very early, but uh, got promise he can play at the top of the order as well. Uh, Warner has to go. His overseas form for the last three years is substandard. This is from 251. Anybody else would have been dropped long ago. Forget about the 200 he scored. That was in Australia against subpar opposition. Makes you wonder what he has over the selectors. Maybe they're scared he'll come out and reveal the truth about Sandpaper Gate. Can't think of any other reason why he's still there. If they pick him for the Ashes, be prepared for more failures. I'm not sure he's going to be picked for England, truth be told. I don't believe in this sort of theory that he's got something selectors they're scared about what he might reveal with regards to the sandpaper gate. It'd be implicating a lot of people potentially. But Warner has played a hundred tests and his record is solid. He's one of our he's one of the premier opening batsmen in Australian cricket history. That's why they pick him, because they know what he's capable of doing. Yeah, Bancroft is thirty. Thank you. Uh, Jules, I watched the first test with a different perspective, given I had a couple of largish bets on India. <laughs> Apart from Smithy and Manus, Kerr was the only bloke who had me worried that he could get away. I think there's method to his sweeping madness, as Matt. I agree. And yes, he got out to it. But the key in India is that you need that release shot, right? Wait it, because if you get bogged down and you can't rotate the strike, you're going to get out, right? Ashwin, Jadeja, Patel, uh, they'll get you eventually. You've got to keep the strike going. So he got out in the first innings to that. Likewise, in the second innings, a little bottom edge, I think it was. But stick with it. If that's his plan, they keep, you keep hearing this, this theory, this mantra, trust your plans, trust your processes, stick to your plans. Well, that's his plan individually, Alex Carey, to play that shot if, they, if he feels that that's the way he needs to succeed in India. Well, you're not about to throw it in the scrap heap now. You don't want to be second-guessing your technique on these wickets. 
Let's get the news headlines. We had a lot of Matts on the text line. Matt from Hunters Hill. What was the result of the investigation into Chadeja? He got fined, Matt, 25% of his match fee for breaching level one of the ICC code of conduct. Uh, found to have breached Article 2.20, uh, which relates to displaying conduct that is contrary to the spirit of the game. And he also, in addition to that 25% match fee fine, he's also received a demerit point fine, which will be added to his disciplinary record. So that's the reason. So, you know, not mountain out of a molehill. Yeah, had a bit of ointment, but you can't tell me that was trying to somehow improve his bowling performance. And further than that, if, if, if you're going to cheat, you're not going to do it in the middle of the field with about 10 cameras trained on you. Now, just before we get to Tommy's two cents, thank you, everybody, for clarifying this for me because I don't drink this stuff. Hey, Jules, just to clarify, Coors Light, most of those un-American light beers, is the style of beer. They're still full strength in alcohol. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. Learned that lesson the hard way on a trip to Vegas. Still can't explain to my wife where I was for those 12 hours. Yep, uh, Maddie said light is the type of beer like a lager. Coors Light, 4.2%. 2%. Those Yanks beers aren't light in alcohol like our lights. Uh, they're light in calories or carbs, says Shorty from Picton. Uh, Clever Cookies, as AJ says, our listeners are our best researchers. So there you go. There you go. So light cause lights. They're not light in alcohol. They're just light in carbs. Okay, let's bring this man in again. You love a light beer, don't you? Morning, Jules. I, li- I don't mind a Han Super Dry, maybe a pure blonde oh, every now and then. Awful. You don't like them? Nah, I hate all those cold brewed beers. They're terrible. Yuck. Okay. I'm not inviting you to my next barbecue. In fact, just just on that. So a mate of mine, and I'll give him a shout out, Ben, a big fan of the show, lives in Tamworth. So he bought a case of, I think it was VB the other day, Mm -hmm. and they're giving these away, these beers. And tell me if you would drink these. It is a, it's called a Sungazer Fruity Beer, natural watermelon flavour, 4.2% alcohol and 300 milk cans. I have it. had a watermelon beer once. Oh, I went to foul. a brewery in Marrickville. It was actually on New Year's Eve. Um, it wasn't great. Fruit and beer just should not mix. I don't mind a stone and wood on a nice hot summer's day. Mm. Can't have too many of them, but I do. I don't yeah, mind right, them. It's, yeah. they're, they're, it's a very summer beer for me. I don't really drink that much you in know, the winter when it's the, cold. Is this the natural logical conclusion for the craft beer market? You know, a slim can of carbonated beverage that doesn't taste like beer or watermelon. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a big fan. Also of Also, happens to be made by a, a major brewer. I am more of a lager man as well, instead of an ale. Yeah, I don't mind some. I don't mind some pales. I don't mind specific ales, but mainly lager for me as well. Don't mind a good pills in it too. You love a good pills in it. You know the rag and famish after the show, Jules. Let's go. Want to go? <laughs> we'll go right now if you want. We'll have a quick one. Um. Cricket, Aussie yes. Test side. As yep. you you said at the in the first hour of the show, mm. there's no other national side in the country that gets people invigorated, um, enthused, but also very, uh, I don't want to say aggressive, but um, argument, argumentative. Yes. And I think selections is also a key thing. Uh, David Warnice, I spoke about this um, last year before the South African series and how poor, because his form was very, very worrying even the back end of the summer before he got that double hundred. And his average is 24 in India and average is 28 in England. Um, we all know the torment that Stuart Broad has caused him over the last few years in the Ashes. So it is a massive worry. I do agree with you, though, that you, you always back a champion. And he is one of the greatest openers Australia's ever seen. So you do back him for the second test. Um, but then again, if he underperforms once again, I don't know what. Because as, as a text brought up, all right, you get rid of water, but then who's next? Could you bring in Travis Head? This is what I don't get. Travis Head has owned that number five position for the last few years now. He's owned it. He had two summers in a row where he was 
you could put up a debate. He was Australia's best batsman at home. Um, terrific strike rate, and his average has gone up and up and up the last 18, 24 months. You take him out of the team, and then there's a report that he may now open. I mean, what does that do for his confidence? He might come in, play a wayward shot, get out, and then the selectors are looking at each other being like, mm, did we do that? Is well, that our fault? Yeah. The theory behind opening with Travis Head is that he gets to start against pace and not spin. Yes. They're worried about him middle order starting against spin. The point is, he's never played in India. He's played a handful of tests in Pakistan Sri Lanka. Yeah, okay, his numbers aren't great, but... I mean, you've got to give the you got to back in his form. You've got to give him a chance to prove himself in these conditions. But Manus had never played against in India. Alex Carey had never played Test cricket in India. I mean, well, no, what, no, no. What but, are we so, doing here? But they're talking about you know his form in Pakistan and Sri Lanka. Yes, right, and so. I understand that. But st- I mean, it's just yeah. But Carey's your keeper as well. It's so, I mean, it's, it's just it's just silly in my opinion. I think I think they're trying to overcomplicate things. Yeah, with what they were doing. They made a mistake. And I think they know they made a mistake, but they basically they have too much pride to admit that they made that mistake. So, so as a result, I said they've almost painted themselves in a corner now, right? Because afterwards they said, you know what? No, no, no. We we believe that we picked the right team. If you believe that, then you stick solid with this team in the second test. So if Green and Stark can't fit again, where do they go? It's a conundrum. It's a real conundrum. Scott Boland spoke to the media, I believe it was yesterday or today or early hours of today, about if Mitchell Stark comes in, he believes he's the unlucky man. To miss out, yes. even though he didn't take a wicket, he said he, he thought himself he bowled he very bowl well, well, especially you're not, you're in tandem not with Cummins. Right? No, 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 yeah. of course, and especially in bowling with Todd Murphy, he said he felt he had a good um, conjunction there with Todd, and that he was the one shining light for Australia. What took brilliant. seven wickets in the a couple of court and bowls as well? Who was fantastic? I'm, I, I think they got on Socky for on day two, and he said he taught everything. Uh, that Todd Murphy knows with his regards to his bowling. Well, you know, Socky's a a left-arm twig who's also been mentoring Matty Coonham and he's been flown there as cover for Mitchell Swepson who's returned home for the birth of his first child. So So this leads into what we do on Tuesdays. I I throw a couple of statements out at Matty. He has to say whether it's an overreaction or not. So given what we've just discussed there, um, text line been firing this morning about cricket. Australia will lose the second test against India. Is that an overreaction? No. And if we lose, David Warner won't play for the rest of the Indian series. Uh, not an overreaction. No. Oh, Australia has still every chance. Of course, people go, they're no chance. Of course, they're a chance. They're always a chance. Mm-hmm. It's still a very good cricket side, right? Anything can happen. As we said, at one stage, Australia was 5 for 162, India 5 for 168, respectively, in their first innings, right? Is there a guy, outside of the obvious ones, is there a guy in your opinion, who, if Australia win, who's the man of the match? Out of the, you know, you've got Pat Cummins and, of course, Steve Smith. Well, you need Smith and Marnus to, to fire, right? Because 177 is never going to be enough, right? So if you're going to get a big first innings total, it's on somebody like Smith who's proven himself in these conditions and Marnus who's sort of a, a Smith clone. Uh, you need a better foundation from your openers, but it's the bowling. It's, it's everything. Mm-hmm. The bowling in particular. Cummins was poor. He doesn't play two bad games in a row. So you need more from Cummins. Uh, certainly did more from Nathan Lyon. So I can't pinpoint just one. But if Australia are going to win, you need more, particularly from Lyon, more from Cummins and more from the batting. Okay, uh, go to the NRL now. So the first week of the preseason challenge is done. Some injury news that you mentioned, Xavier Savage. Looks like he's going to miss the first few weeks of the season, as is Justin Olam with a fractured forearm. So we'll focus on the Melbourne Storm. Um, there was news coming out of their camp that Ryan Pappenhausen will will miss at least a month, yeah. still recovering from that patella um, fracture that he had to get surgery for and travel to the United States. So my statement to you, the Melbourne Storm will miss the top eight 
for the first time since 2010. So this is off the back of Justin Olam and Ryan Pappenhausen set to miss the first few weeks. I can see missing the four. I still got him in the eight. Still got him in the eight. So even if they miss Pappenhausen, right, for the first, say, three weeks, he's back round four. That spine is good enough to make the top eight. I agree. And it's Melbourne and that coach as well. I agree. I think fit and healthy, they are the best spine. Um, in the NRL, I would have said... Your boys would be a close second. Yeah, but I would have said the Panthers, even though they probably don't have the big-name stars like a huge Munster, just because they... Yeah, exactly. They lost Coruscant, um, so they go down a couple of picks. So I, I would say your, your top three spines are probably the Storm, Roosters, Panthers, whichever order you want to put that in. It's up to your, it's up to your volition. But hang I do, on, hang, so you're saying Jacob Little, Ben Hunt, Jaden Sullivan and... Tyrell Sloan. Don't, don't match them. It's an outrage. Look, sorry, Jules. Yeah, I don't really think it's up to the – doesn't so cut the So you're saying Jeremy Marshall, King, Sean O'Sullivan, Anthony Milford, and Hammersoe, Tabby Eifert, I don't match them. No. Well, no. I've, I've made the statement that I don't think Dolphins make bottom four. I don't think they – I don't no, think – I think they're bottom four. I don't think – I think they come 13th, which isn't bottom four anymore because we've got 17 teams. Fair point. Um, okay. My last one. You're not going to like this. The St. George Illawarra Dragons, speaking of bottom four, will make – will finish bottom four. Is that an overreaction? Overreaction. Oh, I've got to defend my red V. I actually have no idea how they're going to go. People are death riding them. A lot of them are death riding them last year as well. People are death riding the Cowboys last year. So I need to believe. I just don't believe in this incessant negativity where you ride off your team before a season's even started. Well, I think you've got to be realistic, so, though. Yeah, you know, there are so many variables, right, with injuries. I mean, you just don't, you just don't know how a year's going to play out, right? So we're at ballpark right now, if I had to, you know. Do I think they'll make the eight? No, I don't. Do they I don't finish bottom four? I'd like to believe they're a better than bottom four team. What did they finish last year? What, 10th? I think it was their 10th or 11th. points. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's reasonable. Similar yeah. spot. Similar spot. Thank you. Uh, no wave reactions forthcoming. We'll take a break. Uh, Paramount on the text line, Jules. When was the last touring team to win a test match at Delhi? Question for the listeners. Were you alive? I was. It was 1987. West Indies defeated India. So India out for 75 and 327. The West Indies won 27. Five for 276. The Windies won by five wickets. Uh, this was their batting lineup. Greenwich, hang, Haynes, hang Richardson. I've brought you in yet, oh, James. R- Greenwich, Haynes, Richardson, Richards, uh, Logie Dujon. It's reasonable. Uh, Jamie Smith, good morning to you. Five for 276 in a second in a fourth innings. Mm. Delhi is a, is a fair chase, isn't it? Yeah, it's a fair batting it's line. It's a fair side. It's, yes. it's a fair side, indeed. Yeah. We're talking about wingmen on the pro Because Kurt Mann, you know how Tony Carroll was anointed as Darren Lockyer's bodyguard? Yeah. So he's playing lock, and if you're going to defend in the line next to your 5'8", you know, just, you know, it's like, what did uh, Eddie Thompson say to Paul Wade, marking Maradona? Wherever he goes, you go. If he goes to the bathroom, you follow him there. Mm. So Tony Carroll was joined at the hip. Darren Lockyer. Kurt Mann is a great wingman, great supporter of his 5'8", Captain Kalen Ponga. You've had a few nights on the tiles back in your footy playing days. Oh. Uh, who, who was there last man standing? The bloke that'll be with you to the very end. Look after you that if you needed your hair held back in the cubicle, mm. he was the one. Those were the days, wasn't mate, it, when mate. the hair was being held back um. in a cubicle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who would hold Kevin Hardwick's hair back, for example? Oh, that's a very good point. Pro- Kerry Hemsley. Yes, well, obviously. And vice obviously. versa. Yeah. Yes. Uh, first of all, do we believe? Are we believing all of that? We're going to talk about this on the on the program. Uh, we, well, I mean, you can't disprove it, can you? No, you can't. No, but so. but you know, you can have your own belief system around it, right? And That's my belief system is: come on, man, what are you trying to sell that to me? Hmm. Just be quiet and play footy. I'm not saying shut up and dribble, right? Why now? Why now do you come and revisit it just because someone asked you to? Like, no need for it. It's amazing how some tales get wagged by the dog. 
But have you heard of the Streisand effect? They say that the more you don't talk about it, the more people will talk about it. Right? Yeah. You've got to keep quiet. And, you know, the journos are going to hit him with those questions. Uh, well, Caelan's a captain. How come we haven't heard from the captain of the Newcastle Knights so far? That's all been last year, and what we're really looking forward to is what's happening in season 2023. That's our sole focus. So are you saying that you were sick, Caelan? So are you saying there was nothing untoward? Which Caelan would reply. And then you just get up. We've we've already answered that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Anyway. Just get all Darius Boyd. Anyway. uh, Yep. Justin Dooley. Justin Dooley's. Justin Dooley. Okay. uh, Former St. Joseph's College, Hunters Hill, uh, seventh grader. He was in the sevenths. Uh, and the reason he said he, you know, because the sixth grade coach didn't like him, um, but he then went on to have a 13-year NRL career or 13-year professional rugby league career after playing in the sevens. He did have a growth spurt after that, but he and I used to knock around a fair bit. Um, right. And and if there was anyone going to be holding my hair back, mm. actually, I indeed held it's his sort hair of like back. Sort of bloke that would say, "Look, Jimmy, uh, let's get you home. I'll call you the cab." That sort of guy. Yeah, yeah get in the cab with yeah. you, and yeah, just make sure everything Even was okay. S- and slip the pineapple to the cabbie. Just make sure he gets home okay. Mate, Although, back yeah. in those days, it was yeah. a it was a twenty. It was a lobster, not a pineapple. Oh, yeah, trip from the city back to Murray could do that with change with a fifty. Now it's about one hundred and twenty bucks. Well, the other one was from Archie's at Bondi Junction mm. down to you know Clovelly or Randwick, wherever it was that you were living yeah. at the time. That was yeah. twenty dollars. Tops, yeah, tops. And did you ever do the? Hey, mate, just flick the meter off. I'll give you twenty, and then. Yeah, we did it one yeah. time. <laughs> we did it one time. We were going to a party at Ride. We yeah. jumped in a cab, Dills and I, at, at Bondi Junction, and Dills said, "Listen, mate, we'll give you seventy bucks if you turn the meter off." He couldn't turn it off quick enough. Yeah, right. I think we overstretched. Well, I they're think. big on that again now, and they're clamping down on it. What is coming up on the great program today? Uh, Michael Roy Whitney, the great wit, will go Boy, through. Boy, yeah, Whitney. Uh, he's going to tell us. What he would do to fix things over there in India. The Didn't mum, play a test match in India. The man but... plucked from the Lanx Leagues. Yeah. 81 Ashes. Huh? An Ashes specialist. He is. Um, I remember he had that seven for against West Indies in 89. They didn't pick him for England. Yeah, we, he, he got a lot of mentions last week. We were talking about shock uh, emissions. Exclusions, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Whit got some mentions there. Scotty Woodward, the analyst after a weekend of footy. Geordie Hunter from the Sydney Kings because we've got right. the big semi-final coming up tomorrow out there at Kudos Bank Arena. And we'll head across to SENZ, Stephen MacGyver. They, they have an incredible time over in Auckland yeah. at the moment. National emergency declared. That's so, right. Um, just extraordinary. So good to check in with them. Make sure they're okay. Most importantly. Thank you, mate. We'll be catching you after midday. Thanks, Jules. Uh, Jimmy Smith. Almost out of time in the program today. Thank you, everybody, for your contributions to the show. Tiger Davis says, I think Hoffa should have the captaincy for the Tigers. Tried his hideout last year. Happy with Happy Hoffa. Who's Hoffa? You mean Joffa? Is in Joe and Gowie? Because he was one of the shining lights for your Bob. I think that's what you might mean, Tiger Davis. Please clarify. Uh, hi, Juliet. Everyone was saying how good it was to have the Aussie Test Stars in the Big Bash. Should they have gone to India early instead? To prepare for the tests. Maybe, Jeremy, I guess we'll never know, will we? I guess we'll never know. <laughs> Preparation was as a problem. You know, no lead-up events. It's hard. But I don't think it's the only reason why they failed so miserably. Uh, when was the last touring team? Oh, yes, we mentioned that, 1987. The West Indies, uh, thank you, Paramount, defeated India there. Uh, Jules. Cheers, Gary. Ian Chappell often refers to Doug Walters, who got a ton on an unplayable pitch in New Zealand. Said he doesn't know how he did it. Maybe they should fly Doug to India, teach him how to play spin. Good player of spin. You know what? Fly Ian, uh, Ian. Neil Harvey. He was a great player of spin. Fly Neil Harvey there. He'll have very firm opinions as to what they should and shouldn't do. You know what? You go back to this interesting text there, Gary. You go back to that. And Doug just played the way Doug plays. And Ian Chappell once said to Doug Walters, well, you know, Doug, the way he bats can get you 100 in session or he might get out quickly. But either way, you've got to back him in. Maybe that's what they need to do when it comes to 
their own techniques. Jules, I wonder if Ponga gets Kurt Man a bag. Yeah, we'll leave that one right there. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you, everybody, for your calls and contributions to the program today. Thank you to our guests, to Jaleesa Raps, to Brett Phillips, to Laurie Horish, to Simon Hill. Thanks to 2AM Tommy. Thanks to Mark. And thanks to all our callers and listeners. Webby, you'll join us on the program, of course, the full hour, the first hour tomorrow. Stay tuned for Jimmy Smith. I'm Julian King. Thank you, everybody, for your company today. Have a great afternoon. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.